Hi, and welcome back to the Doghouse Podcast. Uh, today, we have a great panel. Everyone's back. Uh, the Coyotes did win a game, so I have returned from the Shadow Realm. Uh, but let's jump right back into it. We got Jimbo, Connor, Austin, and myself, uh, JJ, and we're going to start right away with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we know it hasn't been a good season for them. Uh, they've gone this year. They've played 41 games. They have 13 wins, 20 losses, 8 overtime losses, and... We were just talking about them last year. What's going on? It seems like we were, you know, half of us were kind of going, oh, are they going to continue on this downhill trend this year? Or no, it's Philly. Uh, the other half of us was arguing they bounce back. They kind of do this every year. They go soft and then not good. Well, this is a team that made many moves and clearly it hasn't been working. So let's just hand it off right away. Uh, what do you guys think the problems have been in Philly this year? Definitely not kind of hard, right, Austin? Carter Hart's been too good, you know. He's, you know, he's just sometimes he giveth, sometimes he taketh. Um, having that positive of save percentage when Rasmus Ristolainen's on your blue line is honestly impressive, though. So I can't really dunk on him too, too hard. Like, um, I would definitely take a shot at the forward core. I would take a shot at uh, poor trades. Maybe you know, like James Van Rien was like only having ten goals in forty-one games despite making seven million. You know, there's just there's just so many issues here. Like, what's going well for this, you know, kind of garbage franchise right now? I, I can't see anything going well. I mean, I, the one thing I can see is they have a lot of young guys in the roster, right? That means the young guys are getting chances to play, but that doesn't help when you're trying to compete, right? Like you're trying to contend, trying to make the playoffs. A young guy, like a young core, does not help. And how many of them are doing good? We haven't heard a single thing about a young, good Philly prospect. Uh, we've got Morgan Frost has been doing good. Joel Farabee has been doing decently. Farabee's good, but he's not exactly a rookie. Cam yeah, he's 21. Good. Yeah, but he's not going to carry you to the playoffs. No, he is but a he's solution for a team in the future. This is not, you know, you got Claude Giroux, who's 34. Like, this is the time that you need to strike while the iron's hot. You don't need a 21 year old who's looking to be good. No, exactly. That's my point. They're. They got a lot of young guys that are like 21, 22, 23, or even 24 years old. And they're, you know, they've got a good potential and they'll help you in the future. But none of those teams, or none of those guys, I should say, are going to really carry you to a playoffs. So depth is definitely an issue for Philadelphia, who's a team that is like, oh yeah, we have to win now. Especially since they're so close to the cap. Their, their cap situation is just a nightmare right now. I just want to quickly say, um, with all the trades they made this offseason or in all the moves and it looks like they thought they were they were ready to go i mean they brought in ellis they brought in um ristolainen they got rid of nolan patrick so a young guy who they drafted very high so it felt like oh philly's going up shane goss's beard gone he's playing fantastic in arizona now he's almost a, you know a point every two games on one of the worst teams in the league so i i just wonder if there's a misconnect if where philly thought they were better than they were or thought these moves would make them better. Remember, they gave up things to get rid of Gossespear. I mean, the Coyotes basically got him for free with some things on top to take him. So I think there's a disconnect. I don't think management truly knows where this team is or where it belongs. And I think we've seen that the last couple of years. Vorchek's another big name gone. Vorchek. And Cam Atkinson is second in points, but Vorchek's gone too. So... What's going on? Konechny hasn't been scoring. You know, they felt comfortable enough to get rid of some of these big names over the last five years or so, and there was just nothing to back up, right? Like, nothing to fill those voids. You bring in Ristolainen, and he's a, he's a big body. He had nine hits for me the other night. Absolute beast on the 
on the hitting side of things, but uh, pretty trash defenseman overall, right, Austin, defensively? You know, Buffalo in the offseason hired one of the best analytical minds in hockey, and within 24 hours of hiring him, we traded Ristolainen. Like, he is a tire fire of a defenseman. Uh, and they paid a lot for him, too. They gave up Robert Haig, who actually has better numbers defensively than Ristolainen, and a draft pick this year, a second-round pick, and a first in the summer. Like, they went all in, and, you know, to JJ's point, it's definitely a management problem. There's also, like, this inability to accept their mistakes. Like, did you guys all see that quote from Bobby Clark, you know, Philly legend, who's now, you know, like, a senior advisor or whatever, and he was like, oh, we didn't want Nolan Patrick, we wanted Kale McCarr, but, you know, our guy took the other guys. Like, bull-loney, you wanted Kale McCarr? Like, Nolan Patrick was supposed to go first that year, like, they have this inability where they go, oh, it's not our fault we suck. We we actually wanted to do all these amazing things, and then we just didn't do them. Yeah, you know, oh, it's a lot easier looking back now, going, oh, why didn't, you know, we wanted to draft this really good guy. It's kind of easy to get away with that. Um, yeah, talking like about this... big names they have, though, Kevin Hayes has nine points. He's making 7.1 million for, a for five more time. years. I mean, yeah. that's true, but, I mean, Kevin Hayes kind of gets a little bit of the pass, and... I think we all know why. He, he did have quite a tragic ending, or his brother did have a, quite a tragic ending this summer, right? So, like, that that's going to weigh on a player's mind. And, you know, hockey is a very big mental game, right? Oh, and, and obviously that um, the tragedy that happened is way more important than hockey, and I hope everything he's doing, uh, like, for, for his mental health is, and everything's going well. The craziest thing is, he's not the only $7 million guy on that roster that's not producing. You got James Van Riemsdyk, who has two years left at $7 million. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk has 16 points in 41 games, which is horrific. And, and I would say the same thing with Van Riemsdyk. It's been, I know, and he kind of randomly brings it back every once in a while, and his scoring game returns, and he looks fantastic for a bit, but it's the same thing. With that $7 million contract... And kind of most of those years hasn't really performed. So it almost seems like right as they're getting out of his contract with only two years left, they now have another one. So it feels like they've just replaced the contract. Well, arguably they have a lot worse contract coming up because they have Sean Couturier. He has eight more years with a no movement clause at $7.75 million. And I mean, he looked, how, how good did he look last year? I mean, weren't we all praising him uh, in our episode? I'm pretty sure. So it just shows that there is a disconnect there, and the team is not playing, maybe not to the best of their abilities. Maybe it's all the moves they've made, but there is something wrong. And I I am going to put it down on management because how many coaches, how many players have we seen in Philly and nothing's changed? And they go ahead and, you know, fire their coach and nothing's changed, you know? No. Well, I mean, they replaced their coach with Mike Yo. Like, <laughs> <laughs> mean yo to yo yeah you're doing one trash bag and putting in another and this is like this is a problem that stems deep like not just the team you look at their ahl affiliate you know this is kind of where you look for you know the future guys are going to be good and like morgan frost was doing like decent there you know he was almost a point per game but like isaac ratcliffe 10 points in 31 games he's supposed to be like a young good player um Last year's first round, or not last year, the one before, Tyson Forrester, nine games, only three points. Like, you're missing on draft picks, and, you know, you have Bobby Clark blaming everyone but the management, and yet they still miss every year. 
And this year they didn't have a first. They traded it away to get, you know, Rasmus shit Alina. Like, you can't keep doing this. Well, and doesn't uh, Giroud end this year as well? Giroud ends. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for how long was Giroud up there, right? Up there, it was him, Vorchek talked about maybe not at the same level as Crosby and Malkin. Well, not, not maybe, not at the same level. But at one point in time, Giroud was probably one of the best players in the NHL. Yeah. And they've gone through their time. And yes, uh, Philly was close when they lost to Chicago in the finals. But they didn't really look like beating Chicago. And that and they and their time's kind of over now. They've had these players who have played out their entire career or most of their career in Philly. who And they were expected to do great things and just never happened. And I wonder if they're just trying to still hold on to it for as long as possible. They definitely are. I will say one good thing, at least for Philly, is they do have a lot of flexibility in their defensive core going forward. Uh, beyond this year, they only have three guys that are signed for more than a year. So that would be Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, and then uh, as well as uh, Ryan Ellis, who are all signed for more than just the next coming season. Everyone else expires at the end of the season so there's room to revamp and i i wonder how many of those players who are even not expiring at the end of this year end up not on philly by the time the trade deadline or the summer hits because i bet a lot of those players went over to philly expecting big things and that hasn't happened it might be clear to philly now that they might have to rebuild i when i look at the comments on any philly post it's the fans begging the team to rebuild so it seems like the fans want to rebuild which, it's funny, it's usually the other way around. It's usually the owners rebuild and the fans don't want it and they put up this huge protest. But you can tell the fans have just had enough with this roster and this core and they need they want to see it restart. But, I mean, if the issue is management, do you trust Philly's management to handle a rebuild? Right? Like, so, their scouting has been, like, hit or miss. As a Coyotes fan, uh, I can say from experience, I'm sure Austin would agree as a Buffalo Sabres fan, sometimes that's all you can do is hope. Uh, so hopefully this time they get it right, hey, uh, to all the Philly fans. Um, uh, apparently Ristolainen's also already spoken to management about a potential trade at the deadline because he's a UFA and he's not going to resign. And then and so that raises would... the question, do you trade Giroux? He has a no-movement clause. Yeah, but he would waive it. He's 34. Would he not, I think he'd want to go try to win one more time. But at what cost and to who? Apparently, Ottawa and the Rangers would be interested. I can why see the Rangers, but like, why would Ottawa want Giroux? Because he's from Ottawa, so they think you know, get him now and then sign him. Because if you get well, him I... now, you can sign <laughs> him. You're gonna really sell your vision there for the future to get him there. Yeah, well, rebuilding no was supposed to stop this year for Ottawa, so and that's the other. Thing, that's yeah. why they. That's why they're getting Giroux. They're ready to go. That would be a nice little send off, but I don't think it's worth it. If you're Giroux, why the hell are you fucking? waving your new movement clause to go to Ottawa. Like, uh, to Canato, yeah. <laughs> Wherever the stadium is. Yeah, it's not even in your hometown. It's outside your hometown. Yeah, but that's your that's your team. And, like, you'll be playing with, you know, Tim Stutzla and Brady Kachuk on the first line. Like, that's okay, a fun but, like, line to play with. He could go to the Rangers and be in a playoff spot. Play top power play minutes with guys like Mika Zibinijan and Tammy Panarin. Like... As well as yeah, you got young guys like Capo Caco, as well as yeah, but you're going to a division game. rival. At this point, you're what 34 years old. And you haven't won a cup, and your best I, year is probably it this might year. Be time to go to, 
This is not his last year. He's going to sign. He's going to no, sign like it, a five-year deal after this. No, this is his last good year. Five yeah. years in Ottawa. I know a team <laughs> loves good to year. acquire multiple captains at the trade deadline. Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> what I can, money. I can already see the article bringing the boy back will, home it's, you know, will Jeru be a fit for, for the Toronto locker room yeah. and then the article is always yes somehow it's incredible how it always uh, it's always yes this is the perfect fit for Toronto but at what cost though like like we talk about all these packages and to all these different teams but like what cost is it going to go for like to take the captain out of Philadelphia they, they would be selling high they yeah, can they certainly try, but they lose him for free at the end of the year if no one takes him. And that's the thing. They're yeah, you only have, have so much leverage, right? If when he's on his last year of the deal and he's not going to sign, teams know that. I mean, arguably, one point is they can always say, "Hey, we'll eat cap to make it work for you if you, you know, meet us halfway." Because again, he has eight point two seven million in like cap space. That's a lot to fit. They could they could easily take fifty percent of that, though. I mean. It's one year, so they're not going to be a. They're not going to need cap this year. Mm-hmm. It's gone, and it could help you get more, maybe. But I guess this goes back to trusting management. and What Connor was saying earlier. I mean, they were paying Arizona to take one of Arizona's best players this year. So if that's the management going in, trying to trade this, you know, a player who's played forever and forever very well for Philly, you might not get exactly what you're expecting to get for him. And I mean, so I am. I am wondering if they if they undersell. All all I'm saying is clearly that you do not watch the Doghouse podcast because I said Ghost of Spear was playing well last year. I said it, and it clearly <laughs> didn't listen. That's also like as management. How do you justify that to your fans? Where you go, all right? In the summer, we gave up picks so a team would take one of our better players, and now we are gonna just because we needed money, and now we're gonna eat salary on our captain just to get something for him. We also gave like a arm and a leg to get Rasmus Ristolainen, and we're gonna flip him at the deadline for probably less. Yeah, sometimes it just looks well, bad. Is anyone gonna give more than a third for Rasmus Ristolainen? Yeah, I mean, probably. I didn't think Buffalo would get a fifth for him, and we got a first and a replacement I mean, defenseman. Yeah, a lot of teams could use that big body. You know, that goes a long way in the playoffs. It's more valuable in the playoffs for each other. He's right-handed and... too, isn't he? Not, but not for those defensive yes. stats and penalties. He's horrible. I don't know. You man. know who. He, hey, he, playoff he's hockey. Playing, playoff hockey is a no such different. thing as penalties. No such thing as penalties. He's playing worse than Eric Branson. This is this is sounding like the exact press conference that the Philadelphia GM said that he's going to be bad, but he'll look good in playoffs. And now look where they are. And I'm just saying you can't make it. make it to the playoffs if the guy is so bad he's tanking your season. Exactly. Look at Buffalo past ten years. Okay, well then let's 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 kind of shift it to the next topic on Philly. Then, if if you guys, when I'll hand it off to you individually, if you guys were in charge of the Flyers right now, what moves would you make to help them? And would it be a quick fix to try to save this year, or are you thinking more long term rebuild? You got to get rid of Giroux and Ristolainen. That those are the obvious ones because you're going to lose capital somewhere else but you got to bring in a good coach just sell the farm sell whoever i could james van reeves like has no no moving clause um i would even sell a guy like travis connectney you'd get rid of connectney if you're going one of their rebuild, youngest best players <laughs> well at least last year this year has not been as good if you're still going rebuild you have to commit to a rebuild yeah but there's you know there's cutting a little bit too close to the bone i mean 
you the haul you get from Travis Connecting alone is going to be better than anything else combined. I don't think you'll get that much of a haul for Connecting. I think I guarantee you, Konechny, If he was on the block, we get more than Claude Giroux, Rasmus Ristolainen, James Van Riemsdyk, and Cam Atkinson combined. Okay, yeah. A well, good, good luck getting that cap. A good twenty-four-year-old <laughs> is going to get more than a thirty-four-year-old, thirty-two-year-old who only has ten goals and Ristolainen. Yes, but that's what I mean. Much. That's he's your only asset. Other yeah, than he, that, you're going to get a bunch of third round and fourth rounds. If you're going to commit to a rebuild, you need first rounds and you need prospects. I, I think trading a 24-year-old who signed long-term on a cheap deal and plays the Philly way, that's that's not that's too far. You're cutting too close to the bone at that point. That would be like Arizona trying to flip Chitron. Like you're just fully gutting the roster way too far. Which we are. You are. Gonna, yeah, you got you have to keep some parts of the rebuild and something and like something for the fans to, you know, watch, right? Yeah, but there is stuff for you guys to watch. There, you got young guys coming up like Morgan Frost, Cam York. You got yeah, a great goalie, Carter Hart. Well, right? is he if gonna you're going to commit a... to a rebuild, that's what you should do. Commit is to he the gonna, rebuild. Is he going to continue? Like, I mean, Hart's already been hot and cold with this team that was supposed to make the playoffs. Do you think Hart will continue to be this elite good goalie if you basically sell every single thing Philly has and then just go, good luck? For the next three years, until we hopefully have a team that can be competitive, because I yeah, think not kill his development. Not to mention, so many Philly prospects are not that young. You know, Hart's twenty three, York's twenty one, Konechny's twenty four. So these guys are about to hit their window. Might just be better to retool and build around them than you know blow it up and. I mean, lose yeah, but to do guys. retool, who who are you going to be able to move? Like, look at those. Look at some of those contracts. Um, James Van Reem's like seven million dollars. Cam Atkinson, $5.875 million. You got Ryan Ellis um, for, what, $6.25 million? You got Sean Couturier starting next year, $7.75 million. And Kevin Hayes, over $7 million. How do you retool around that young core when you have basically your top six locked up with a bunch of guys who can't produce? We got some good guys in there still. Like Cam Atkinson's been great for them, so you just hold on to him to keep him producing. Ryan Ellis yeah. has been good. Kateri yeah, Cam, is good. Cam Atkinson's thirty-two and he's small. Yeah, but he hasn't he hasn't shown well, any signs of declining yet. Been playing well. Yeah, but he also has been playing with Giroux, has he not? I can't say. I haven't watched a ton of Philly, but he's still been producing. Like a retool is definitely a reasonable thing for the Flyers to do. Well, think... let's let's hear your your take. Sounds like it's retool. Do you have much to add to your take, Austin? Or I would I wouldn't do a full blown rebuild. Like you know, I'd, I'd flip guys so I could get assets for. So like Giroux, I'd definitely be you know out the door. Keith Yandel out the door. You know, a couple of these guys out the door. But you still got a lot of good pieces. So you keep the ones, you know, like Couturier. You know, Van Riemsdyk. Like, you're not gonna get anything for him. And you throw a bunch of young guys up in the top six. You see how they do. And then at the end of the year, you know what you got. You know which young guys you want to keep. You know which ones you don't want to keep. And then you just kind of, yeah, have another shitty year. Get the young guys some more games in. And then just build around this new core. And have Couturier kind of lead the way. Sorry, I, I got to ask. You, you like I, I know this is nitpicky, but you said Keith Yandel? Guy makes 900k. Why, why get rid of him? Because he's a UFA. You're not going to make the playoffs, so send him to a playoff team. Uh, who's going to want him. Because if you're that playoff team, you know this guy has never missed a game in his life. That's yeah, I, think he, I think he just set an Ironman record tonight. Uh, 
and so he's, you know, this guy isn't going to get hurt, you know, tap on wood. Uh, he is a leader. I know in Arizona, we used to jokingly call him Captain Keith Yandel, um, or Captain America even, and he is a good offensive defenseman. I, I think a team would take him. It won't be as much as uh, he once was, but why keep he, him at that point? He's going to retire or sign somewhere else for a year. Uh, James, I guess you're going to be the deciding uh point of view on your, your style of taking the Flyers from bottom to top. So what's your take on what you do with the Flyers? Well, I think one thing's obvious, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. That's already far gone. You know, the East is almost set as is. It's not like the West mm-hmm. where there's teams fighting. They're so far behind now, halfway through the season. Like, there's not a shot. You know, this season's done. You know, there's no way they have that bounce back year that we were expecting, uh, you know, based on last season. So, you immediately you start talking to players, right? So you talk to Giroux, what, what is he thinking? Do you even have an option to sign him? You know, if he wants to go somewhere else, try and win a cup, it's a no-brainer. You have to flip him, otherwise you're going to lose this star play for nothing. So immediately you have to make some sort of moves. Uh, the question is, when you trade him, do you look for the long term or do you look to the short term? Where there's where we see different mm-hmm. answers, you're right. So um, in my opinion, I, I, I do agree, you know, as Austin was saying, like, you know, there's there's... You know, connecting, you got some young guys to build around and, and hearts. You know, I, I still think you got to give them a couple more years. You can't give up on heart right now. So you have a good goalie. You have a good forward. I think you try and go for... I, I still feel like there's good pieces there. So maybe it's not quite time for rebuild. If things blow up next year, I think maybe then you pull the trigger. I wonder if maybe you go for someone... Like, you go for a defenseman, maybe you go for Klingberg, if you have the cap. You know, you know he wants out of Dallas. And then... So you're committed. And then, then you commit to next year, and you hope for the best, and, but, you know, make some smaller moves in the offseason, and you just hope that when, <laughs> you know, Hayes come back and Farabee are, are better, you hope they come back and have stellar years. I still think that's a possibility for the Flyers. I don't think... Their whole core needs to be blown up right now. But doesn't that just take you back to the same spot if you just go after these <laughs> big-name free agents that are near 30 and sign them to, like, massive deals? You think Klingberg is signing for under $7 million? No way. Especially because he, he had a pretty good deal up until now, so he might yeah. be like, yeah, you know, it's time to... When you look at the, the price for defenses nowadays, that's a good point. You know, maybe he's probably you're probably net losing cap compared to Giroud at this point. Because he's probably yeah, going for a 10 mil. Giroud's not going to go for more than 7 mil. No. But, like, that's what I mean. Like, you, it's just better at that point to stick with a guy like Claude Giroux, who knows the locker room, knows the organization's fan favorite, as opposed to, like, you know, bringing in another guy who's very close to 30 for $7 million, like Thomas Hurtle. Well, at this point, though, it's kind of out of their control, right? It's all in Giroud's hands. Like, has he come out and said, does anyone know? Has he come out and said, like, what he wants to do? It's been pretty quiet, hey? No, but I, I, if he wanted to go, I don't see him as the type of guy that would say he wanted to. I feel like that would be handled behind the scenes, if anything. Um, he probably still loves philly even if he does go somewhere else and always remember philly's being this great city where he played pretty much his entire career or almost all his uh, career yeah, his entire career he was um, drafted by philly yeah so you know if he goes somewhere else almost his entire career um but i think if he wanted to go try it somewhere else he would keep it on the hush hush because i feel like that's what all legends do i feel like they don't want to leave their city with a bat you know 
bad memory or a bad taste left in the mouth when you do leave. So I do think he'll be honorable about it if he does go. If I was in his shoes, I would want to go win. I mean, I, I assume every player in the NHL, maybe not every, but most players do want to win. Yeah. So to me, Pleasure just feels like Jerome McGinley in the sense that he's the captain. He got a chance at a cup at a young age. Nothing has happened since. His team sputtered and sputtered and sputtered in the playoffs ever since. And now he's just going to get gone. There's enough negative happening right now, you know, and a negative outlook on the future at 34 years old. If you really want a cup, yeah, you want to leave. You don't want to be there any longer. Is that how you want to end your career, though? Cup chasing? Absolutely. If you win, look at Corey Perry. He hasn't won, like, another. I know he won way back, but he's been cup chasing. Hasn't won one. Imagine he he hasn't won one at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if he loses in the final this year with Tampa, then he would look like a clown. You you cannot deny how bad Ginla looked at the end of the career. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Yes, no. yes. That no, is a sad end It's to the different, career. man. It's different than Perry, it's not man. Perry, no, it is, because Perry's been moving around year to year on a one-year deal. Like, Jerome, in my defense, you know, he signed a three-year deal or something with Colorado, right? It was a multi-year deal, and was he wrong? No, that was a great young core. It just didn't, it just wasn't time for them, but... But know, then what did he do? Then he went to LA? Pittsburgh. And then he went to Boston. No, that was first. And then he went to LA. That was before. That was before. Pittsburgh was first. Yeah, it was Pittsburgh, then Boston. And then, if I remember, he went to Colorado. And then, did he finish in LA? LA? Colorado and LA. LA. So, like, he saw, you know, he did this, you know, he figured, you know, maybe moving around trying to pick the hot team isn't going to work. And most of the time, it doesn't, unless you're picked Tampa last year, right? Then you get lucky. Um, But I think he saw. You know, he saw the young core with McKinnon and those guys, you know, Landis Cog in Colorado, and admittedly it didn't work out, but, like, I, he wasn't wrong, man. Like, I feel like that's the way they do it. You pick a team that you have, think has a good chance in the next three years, and you just go for it. You don't move around yeah. every year. You pick one team, and you just stick with it. Because I don't think I mean, Philly has it in three years. Patrick Marlowe also has been chasing a Cub. Joe Thornton as well, of note. And if you want a goalie, Dominic Hasek chased a Cub when he went to the, what's called the Red Wings? Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Kind of went to like the uh, best no, team. No, no, yeah. no, no, <laughs> no. He went to the best goalie, team. Going to like the he best didn't chase a cup. He didn't sign with anyone. He got traded. He got flipped to de- I Detroit. I wouldn't chase at all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Aginla got traded from Calgary. What's your point? How and then he signed with Boston. Detroit, and then he dude. signed with Colorado. And then he asked for a trade to LA. That's yeah, because Calgary wasn't going to sign him. What do you want? Like he gets traded from the team. You can't be like, oh, you have to end your career there when the team is like, okay, we're rebuilding. We're not going to sign you. I guarantee you if you wanted to stay, they would have signed him. No, they wouldn't. I guarantee you. No, it's very well known that he didn't want to do like the. And then, okay, why didn't he stay with Pittsburgh? Why didn't he stay with Boston? Because he thought Colorado had the better young Because he was cup chasing, goddammit. I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know – I, agree. I I do I do think you know flip, doing what a Perry is doing I do think that looks bad but I think to compare that to what Gillen did is not correct. Okay, what if uh, <laughs> what if Corey Perry signs three years with Tampa? Will you then say it's okay? I don't think he's going to sign three years with Tampa. And he's going to sign. But what if he does? Will it then be I, okay? I stick to my word. It's it's okay. You know he's okay. he's not cup chasing when he signs three years. Wow. <laughs> No, I I think it's still cup chasing. If he, it's for Corey, Corey Perry especially, it's cup chasing. Oh, Corey Perry's different, uh, man. It's Corey Perry too. 
Corey Perry's doing it for the shits and giggles. He's already won a cup. He yeah, I was gonna say, he's already won. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's fine. In his way, it's funny. I have a good giggle um, out of it. I think it is time. We have got a little sidetracked off Philly. To um, If there are any final words on Philly, now is the time. And then I think we should move on to our next subject, which is the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so any last words on Philly before we head out? Uh, I guess all I'd say is pretty obvious pretenders. I mean, they weren't even in the contention, so they're just, I guess, not even a question. Pretenders. Yeah, oh, no, I, I would agree with that statement. It felt like they they made all these moves, you know, the sher- the new sheriffs are in town, and the Outlaws won, unfortunately. I was going to say, with Philly, they got to be the worst team of the season. No matter, like, they may not finish last at all, but when you have almost all your losses and almost half of your games as losses on two lose streaks, like that's you're just playing so fucking shitty. To me, that's like that's a new level of shit. Yeah, you didn't go down the way I thought you were with that. I what? thought you were going to talk about you have of all the two moves months, worst two team? ten, two months, two ten game losing streaks when you're supposed to be pushing for playoff contentions. Yeah, I would I would say performance team. based based off of the, all the moves they've made, they were one of the most like underwhelming teams with how they performed. But I mean, Montreal was in the Stanley Cup final last year, and yeah, I know Montreal's they probably been... shouldn't have been, but they are dead last. Yeah, but Montreal's also been like grinding away and barely making the playoffs for six, seven years in a row now. As well, they also have no cup final. They made the cup final, and And they're missing their star goalie, and they're missing their captain, and they're missing like half their defense. Like they're a shell of what they used to be. No, I would excuse that. Arizona is missing everything. You know who's missing their star, uh, their star goalie, and their captain? Team in the finals. Stamkos and Vasilevsky didn't start the season. There's no and excuse for that. Yeah, but again. they're bad. They're all bad. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not like they're doing. They did and good. They, they, and Vasilevsky didn't miss, like, he's on out months. He missed, what, like a couple weeks at most? Montreal was making moves to win the cup final again. And they're worse than the most horrible NHL assembled <laughs> roster in the history. Uh, and they traded and took Arizona's number one center for Carolina's first. So yeah, like I think they, that's a really bad move. If you take you give up a first, it's not theirs for their sake, luckily. But then that team beats you five two at your home arena or five something to overtake you. That's embarrassing. Their owner backed up their GM when he drafted a sexual assaulter and said, "I am fully behind him during the season," and they still fired that- him doing that poorly. That does not have anything to do with the worst team of the season. That's just a horrible, horrible That shows how culture. bad the team was doing, that he is willing to put up with drafting a sexual assaulter, and this team fell apart That's... so hard that he was like, I just can't keep you hired. I that have was... to fire you. That was before the season started, first and foremost. That's and my second, point. That's just no. That's just Montreal being a bad, cor- like corporate or not corporation, but cocky culture and a bad organization as a whole. They will put if up. We're with talking so about just much... the worst team. Yeah, I'm, they will put I, up with so much. Philadelphia is still the worst to me. No chance. Uh, no, I I disagree. When when LA didn't make the playoffs the one year after they won the cup and they were still like in the fighting range, it was huge. It was like, oh my gosh, they. They just won, and they're not even making it. I know Montreal didn't win a cup, but they went that far. Was it a bit of a fluke? Absolutely. Looks like it now. Absolutely. And they only made it in because of uh, the divisions and everything. But they still went to the final, and now they're dead last. And that is a huge drop. 
huge. Let me frame it like this. Would you say Buffalo was the worst hockey team last year? Hands down, yes. Okay, but Jack Eichel and half our players and our goalies were hurt. Are we still the worst? Also, yes. The Flyers okay, also have Okay, so then the no, there's no excuse for Montreal. You said, well, it's okay because they lost their goalie and their captain. No excuse. They're still the worst. Injuries is not an excuse. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> no, but the, the difference is is that Montreal had, didn't lose 10-plus games multiple times in a row this year. They're bad, but they haven't lost 10-plus in a row. Well, they, they didn't need to. They've only won, like, how many? You have I mean, to be, like, a special won? level of horrific team to fucking just miss 10 games in a row. Just not win 10 games in a row. Well, Montreal's only won 8 this year. Yeah, but they haven't lost 10 in a row. I can't speak up for that, but you... when you've only won 8, it doesn't matter how many you've lost in a row. I mean, you can split eight wins across an 82-game season and you don't lose, you know, and you might not lose a certain amount of games <laughs> in a row. Doesn't mean you're doing good. No, I'm not I'm not saying Montreal is like the godsend team and they shouldn't be considered well, they, in this conversation. Are, I'm not saying that. They should absolutely be in the conversation. You know for what? For the most part. But my money and my vote is for the Philadelphia Flyers. Worst team of the year. We're all just jealous we don't have 24 cups. That that must be it. That must Connor, be. Connor, can you uh, tell me the second line of the Arizona Coyotes? I couldn't tell you the second line of most teams. What do, what's your point? I can't tell you the second line of the Pittsburgh don't Penguins, my second don't favorite do. team. The, sec, the second don't line of the Arizona don't Coyotes might be a starting lineup in the ECHL, and they have more points than the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> this is not like. Montreal is the worst franchise to this year. Yeah, but here's uh, the difference. Those guys have something to play for in Arizona. Those guys have, are looking for contracts. It's like those look at the Detroit are Lions for their year. pool beside their mansion in the desert. I look, mean, look, they, no, no, no. look at the Detroit Lions. This year were just horrible, just god awful. Some the worst football team in years. But they played their hearts out. They had something to play for, and that's what Arizona's doing. I need some clarification for Austin's second line because Arizona changes their lines so much that I've, I'm looking at the lines thinking of all the possible combinations and I'm like, it's endless. <laughs> like you, you can put that line in so many different possibilities. It's still that bad. Top no, I don't, four I don't think defenseman from Arizona, Janice Moser, has a better win percentage than the Montreal Canadiens. And one thing I just noticed here too, Montreal Canadiens have a projected cat hit they cap hit $30 million more than the Buffalo Sabres. Also to Austin's point about the whole injury thing, uh, Montreal has played almost two full NHL rosters this year because of that many injuries. The Sabres did not come close to that last year. We started Michael Hauser in net. (laughs) Michael Hauser. Caden Primo. God damn it. Caden Primo is a good-looking prospect. Michael Hauser's so 31, and he was an AHL backup. A good-looking prospect with a 384 goals against. Yeah, because that's how much the guy in the sucks. Was he the guy in the shootout against Arizona last year? And I went, uh-oh, he's in trouble. He hasn't been watching Christian Dvorak play hockey. And then he did the same move he always did and dressed him out, like took him out of his... Uh, equipment basically and then won the game for arizona but is that who is that who you're talking about or last year no because we didn't play you guys last year yeah the division's oh, right. bad uh, sorry uh was this the year before now no he what got picked we... up no sorry he got picked up uh when buffalo lost him uh who picked him up after buffalo last year 
You're thinking of Jonas Johansson. Okay, Jonas Johansson. Well, anyway, never mind. Uh, so we were getting sidetracked, though. So let's move on to our next topic, which is the Edmonton Oilers. So uh, I would say this is a tale of a team that started the year. Everything was looking fantastic. This was a team full of haves. And now it's quickly turned into a team of have-nots, except for two players, really. Uh, what are your guys' takes on the Oilers? Yeah, I mean... Who could have seen this coming? Um, I know we're all going to talk about how they only have two star players, so maybe let's start with a little bit of a different take. Uh, One of you guys take it away. What do you think the problem with the Oilers have been this year? If I was an Oilers fan, it's pretty obvious what most most of them are thinking and going to say. It's uh, Miko Koskinen. To all Oilers fans, this whole season, or at least the last kind of, you know, 20 games or so, has rested on that one player. On his fault, everyone's blaming Koskinen. So I think that's... I, I'm not saying that's true, but I'm saying that's what all the fans are saying. <laughs> to quote Koskinen, I've had some bad games, but I can't score goals. <laughs> and They've been I, shut I out how many times? It, so it doesn't matter how many, you know, how many saves or goals, you know, Koskinen lets in. It, it doesn't matter if you if you get shut out. Exactly like you're saying. Exactly. Score, yeah. Doesn't got... matter if he lets in five, he lets in one, three. If you if you only score one of zero goals a game, it, it literally makes a difference, right? So. So my take, I actually I agree with Goskin. I can't score because I think the problem with Edmonton is they can't score. Simple as that. If you look at their top players for goals, I mean, obviously Drysaddle, McDavid, their points: thirty-seven games played, thirty-six games played, fifty-eight points for Drysaddle, fifty-five for McDavid. Perfect as always. After that, the next highest goal scorer on the team is Zach Hyman with 11. So already that's a pretty big drop. Zach Hyman started the year off very hot. So how many of those goals came at the start of the year? Pooley-Arvey's next with 10. Then after that, everyone's under 10. You can't have a team do well if only two guys are scoring the goals. What's going to happen is teams are going to figure out, okay, every play re- revolves around McDavid and Dreisaitl. I know, I know it's easier said than done stopping them. But if they're the only ones who can get points and you can focus down on just two guys and no one else is scoring, that is a problem. Especially when Hyman was brought in to basically just play alongside McDavid and tap the puck in. So how do you go from two guys who are amazing to after that a guy barely has more than 10 goals, no one's helping them? That, that's what kills me is their depth. They sign all these guys every year and no one can score. Nuge has three goals. Yeah, but Nuge is more of a passer now. And he's more of a passer now, but if no one's scoring, this was a first overall pick, keep in mind. Can I say one of the biggest tragedies of the season so far, not just for Edmonton, just the whole league in general, Dr. Derek Ryan, three points, minus 12, in 33 games. Come on, like... Ouch, I did not know it was that bad. You either live long enough, (laughs) you die a hero, or you live long enough to be a villain, and he went from the flames to Edmonton. To be honest, I thought when they signed Derek Ryan, that was going to be a great move. You know, I just had a bit of depth there, but yeah, that just well, hasn't worked out. Derek Ryan, Fogel, Hyman, those were all like decent signings. And arguably from the free agency, that those are all cost-effective and good signings. But it's just not clicking. So at this point, like when you have constantly a changing of all these bottom guys, and you keep going out and getting new guys, is it on the players now, or is it on the coach? Uh, and they actually talked about that. Even the Edmonton coach uh, Tippett said, "You can't just keep firing the coach." This, you know, how many coaches has Edmonton had in a certain amount of time? Well, granted, it's pretty easy to say that when you are the coach. 
But it, it definitely comes with some backing. How many coaches have Edmonton gone through and nothing's changed? You know what the issue is? It's really easy to fire a coach and save face. But I feel like Edmonton's scared to do the, the ugly thing. You know, everyone talked about uh, before last year when Buffalo fired their GM and then their new GM, Kevin Adams, first job was to fire all the scouts. And everyone ripped into Buffalo, like how embarrassing, what a bad look. You fired your entire scouting department. Our scouts sucked. We couldn't draft anyone good. And obviously it's too early to tell, but our new scouts are seeming to like take a way better approach to things. I have never heard anything about a Edmonton scout being fired. And besides, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle who fell into their laps, they've always been poor scouters. And you can see it's affecting them because everyone's talking about the big names not performing. But Kyler Yamamoto this year is horrible. Well, I, I've always said, in my opinion, I've always think he's been a bit overrated. I mean, when you're playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl, and I know he can play on the third line at times, and, and your main job is to get points. Yamamoto's main thing is to skate fast, get points. And he's not doing it. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, Austin. You're absolutely right. And even, and like, I know it's hard, you know, being a draft revisionist, but Philip Roberg in eight games only has one assist. He's a minus eight. He is a defenseman. Defensemen take a bit longer to go. He's 22. Yeah, but the There's pick like 20, after not him, 22, 20. The draft pick right after Philip Robert was Trevor Zegers, who was known to be good in his draft. This wasn't like an unknown talent. It was at the time the Broberg pick was made, it was called a bad pick. Broberg wasn't supposed to go to like 1520s, and he went yeah, top 10. But if you're Edmonton, you were always like, what, what was one thing that's consistent with Edmonton for years was poor defensemen. It seemed like True. that was a move you had to make. I don't agree it should have been made at that pick. You probably could have traded down. You, you never, you always dra tra draft best player available. You add Trevor Zegers to this roster, how are they doing? Well, a lot, okay. they have a lot better line, and maybe if they have Zegers, they don't have to go for a guy like Hyman and use that cap somewhere else. Or to sign a defense. Another tough guy or another. Yeah. And it, it's funny watching this Edmonton team, because you're right, for years they never had defensemen. And now it's, they have all these defensemen, and they can't score. And I would I would argue their defense isn't even that great. Clearly not, and their goaltending's not fantastic. And I'm saying that with the wall of Smith behind me. I would uh, say that uh, the defense is not bad though. Darnell Nurse has been all right. He's kind of having a down year, but well, they have a rookie defenseman right now, Evan Bouchard, who's I, been playing I, goddamn great. I think James and I are on the same page here. I cannot believe some people just said a defense that has Cody Cece, Duncan Keith, and Tyson Berry in it is okay. <laughs> I well, like... and that got rid of Bear, too. Yeah. Who I still think... And they have... Terrible. Chris Russell is still in the NHL. Shot hey, blocking legend, say. man. Did you see Shot the... Shot blocking legend. Chris the trophy Russell. Him, the golden shin okay, get back, check. <laughs> Okay, they got can, him a you, golden shin You pad. can tell who the Flames fans are when an ex-Flame player's name's brought up and they immediately sit up a bit more. <laughs> They're being like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, what, JJ, what are you talking about? I have never cheered for the Flames in my life. That yeah, is true. I, I think You've cried. You've cried about watching. I think Sorry, it's yeah. pretty obvious, you know, from looking at the roster and this discussion has just been really eye-opening for me that I never really thought about this now, but I, yeah, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Like, I, I think Edmonton realized too heavily on expensive middle-aged uh you know signings for secondary scoring and not cheap young talent because they're just not able to get that cheap young talent so the downside is you have to go out and get externally like a hyman and you're paying top dollar for a free agent 
but you could probably get in the same production like like Austin said you you uh, draft Zgrass for cap minimum or you know for the for the young guys so um, I think that makes a huge difference when you don't have the young guys performing and you just don't and have the cap to sign I'm gonna I am gonna take a little bit of a different approach here it's not that I, like I don't think Edmonton can't score they can score they don't they're, they're top 15 the top half of the league for goals like four. But what really hurts Edmonton, and I know obviously that's going to be heavily weighted by the two-headed beast that they have. Exactly. Yeah, but exactly. what what they really is hurting the Oilers is their goals against, their PK, and their goaltending. All of those rank in the bottom ten of the league. They get hemmed in their own zone, and then they can't get that puck out. And how much of that do you think happens when McDavid or Drysdale aren't on the ice, and the other guys are clearly not scoring? Well, so yeah, but like, what are they doing? If they're not scoring, and, you know, some Edmonton fan David might or... tell me they've been in the offensive zone. You know, the fourth line's always in the offensive zone doing something. Well, clearly they're not doing enough, all these other lines. And if McDavid and Dreisaitl have to get, you know, two points a game every year just to even think about qualifying, that shows there's a lot of weaknesses, and that shows to me that their team can't score. I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time, when your defensive end... Or like not your defensive end, but your back end can't get that puck and win those battles in the corners, and they're just getting hemmed in by the third, fourth, and second lines of whatever team they're playing against. That alone is the issue. You don't even give your offense a chance to score, right? Like when your defense can't win those puck battles in the corner and can't make those outlet passes, you're not going to score anything. That's fair, but if you're, you know, they've made all these moves on the blue line, they. Got rid of Bear, brought in uh, some yeah, other players, made... gave out some big money <laughs> to, they, to some they've players. They've made some of the and... worst moves on the back I mean, end. They, they let Larson go. They traded for Duncan Keith at $5.5 million. Exactly. It's like, bad. They signed Cody Cece. They got rid of Bear, who's a good puck-moving young defenseman. Like nothing's good. No back moves have been good. They've been okay with managing their forwards, but like their back end has been horrible. And especially with Edmonton fans, we were kind of talking about this with Philly fans going, do you trust management with a rebuild? I'm not saying Edmonton should rebuild, but even a retool. If you're an Edmonton fan, how many, like, you know, how many times does this happen where it's, oh, we need to retool again. We need to rebuild. Oh, we're, we're finally about to, we have all these great players. Everything's great. And it's gone. And it feels like they've traded all the players that they had. And now have a huge problem from all the players they trade away. I mean, Hall's gone. Eberle's gone. Those are guys who could put the puck in the net. Do, Even do if I they want... were a little overpaid, especially Eberle towards the end of his career while now in Seattle, he can still score, though. And now they now they don't have those guys. I would say their defense isn't up there in the NHL. I wouldn't say it's a top defense by any means. But they're paying them like they are. Their forward core, a lot of players are getting paid a lot of money. And they're not doing anything. So... With Edmonton, I think we can say it's management as well, especially with their history. But then what do you do? Every every couple of years, do you just restart? You get the next Connor McDavid and then go from there? Like, what moves do you make as Edmonton? Because you've done this before. Yeah, I also think, like, a big issue, too, is, like, they're, it's very clear they're conflicted in the office. So in this past draft that just happened, Jesper Wallstead was on the board when Edmonton could pick. And he's projected to be a franchise goaltender. Like, I'm very high on Wallstead. I think he's going to be better than Askroth and Spencer Knight, the two other goalies who went, you know, in the first round recently. Um, and they traded down to take Xavier Borgold. 
their reasoning behind that was they said, well, we're not trying to win in, you know, four to five years when Wallstead is, you know, ready to go. We want to win now. So Xavier Bullergold, he's like, he's ceiling as like a third line center, but he's going to be ready really quickly. You know, he's physically developed. He's playing lots of games right now. So they come in with a strong message of, you know, we're winning now. We're drafting around that mentality. Get guys who can be NHL ready the quickest, even if they're not that good. But then Ken Holland comes out and he says, we're not going to trade our first and we're not going to trade any prospects. We don't believe in that. We want to we wanna develop and we want to, you know, take it slow and take time. We don't want to win now. So, you know, you're McDavid, you're sitting in the room and, you know, they're doing all these stupid moves at the draft. And then they come in and they go, well, we're not going to buy at the deadline. We don't want to get, you know, Klingberg's available. We don't want to give up for that. You know, DeBrusque is available. We don't want to give up for that. So they just, like, they're, they're, you know, wadding in the pond right now. They don't want to do anything. Well, to make sure they can't afford to buy at the deadline. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, they've kind of put themselves in a situation where they don't have the money to make moves. Yeah, Nurse goes to $9 million next year. They also have, what, $6 million off or projected cap space next year, and they have to sign Pugliarvi and all their bottom six. And, uh, and a deep core, man. They, you look <laughs> at the cap hit, it's all on the D. You got Nurse 9.2 kicking in. He better have a better season ASAP. And like, I just think it's laziness, too, because, you know, what are we talking about? Their, their issues is their bottom six, you know, lines three, four, and, you know, a bit of two, and, their, you know, their defense, the lower end of their defense. This is the year where it is so... There's literally two NHL teams that are just bargain bins for bottom six guys, Buffalo and Arizona. And we're not even charging that much. You, like, throw a third to Arizona, you can get a bottom six guy who's pretty cheap. I don't know why they haven't... I don't know why they haven't called Buffalo, you know, Hinnestroza, Colin Miller, like, these guys who can play. uh, Hinnestroza and Edmonton. uh, He's a very fast skater. Um, Archibald. He's a fast skater in Edmonton who played in Arizona. Maybe get that chemistry back with some speed. Why not? So, sorry, guys. I, I think you don't understand because you're not a fan of a team in Alberta. Teams in Alberta oh, right. have a very specific mindset. They have a boys club. They have a specific mindset for guys they want. And once they get their guys, they that's it. They, they're set up for the year. They don't do anything else. And if they're making any trades, it's going to make their team worse. That's I just forgot. It. I forgot about Perlini, so we could do a full Arizona revenge tour on the Edmonton Oilers, and they would guarantee make the playoffs if they did that. So, Although, wait, Connor, that's a bit put of your a, bets on now. Put your bets that, on now. That's a bit of a bold stance. I thought Calgary was still in on Eichel. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're one of the final two teams if your package is just shit. <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever know. I wonder if we will ever know what the package was. I guarantee you, it would have been like something like. Chris Tanev in a fourth, or something like that, and that would be it. Not even Chris Tanev. Are you kidding me? Trey Levin doesn't trade defensemen. Uh, he trades four defensemen and gives up draft picks for them at Travis Hamanick, if that was him. It was, was Travis Hamanick, and it we was can, We can save that when we talk about the Flames, because yeah. I want to kind of nail that point home. Oh, that totally. is true. Um, okay, so then my next question is for about the Edmonton, then I'll hand off to you guys, is do you think this is a season that could easily be saved? Um, if not easily... Do you think it could be saved at all? Yeah, I know. We're all going to go, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, when you, have, when you have the best player in the world and Leon, and, the, and Connor McDavid, I know Tri-Suttle is amazing, um, anything can happen. You know, they could be a team that's one move away or they just find their mojo again, right? So kind of like us talking about Philly last year where we are like, who knows what this team's going to be like this year. Edmonton this year, what do you do? I'll hand it off to you guys. What do you, what do, you do? Um, First things first is I hit up Dallas's GM. 
and try to get one of those goalies. Yeah. Turn the too many goalies. Then, then if Dallas has too many goalies, goalies. You need a goalie. Mike Smith and Koskinen are not it. It hurts, but uh, yes. Uh, Mike Smith is signed for another year, though. Keep Did you hit up Boston? Get a goalie? I don't know do, about do Rask after now. Not Rask, but like, yeah, I mean, it, say that Boston management is still pretty positive on Rask. They've got two guys. They got Olmark and Swayman. I don't think they'd get rid of that. You're not trading Olmark. And if you are, you're no, not trading Olmark. There's no way they'd get rid of Swayman. I know so, this is a bit wild, but. You know, because of all the injuries, Buffalo's used so many goalies. And a lot of them have shown they can play in the NHL. So when everyone's back, Buffalo's going to have six goalies. Craig Anderson, Malcolm Subban, Dustin this Portarski. Still, this seems this like just worse than my Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like horrible. replacing what they have with worse or as good at best. Depending Craig on the Anderson is a pretty elite goalie, I looked up okay? Subban's God. stats the other day, and I stand by my statement that Future Considerations is a better deal than that goalie. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> not a fan clearly but uh okay so you make those moves their score let's say they their scoring doesn't get back into shape let's just say for this example the other nhl teams have figured out their system then you're not scoring so now you have a goalie but you're still not scoring because what if that's the problem is mcdavid and drysaddle just can't do it all by themselves every night the, the next move and like i don't believe it's necessarily the offense i think there's a lot of decent pieces in the top nine for Edmonton to make this a decent offense in the league. If I'm Edmonton and I'm still having struggles getting wins together after getting a new goalie, I'm trading for a better defenseman. I'm fixing my bottom pair and my second pair because that's the only way you can do it. You need that's the biggest thing is like you can't have Duncan Keith just getting hemmed in constantly or Cody Cece getting hemmed in constantly. So who do you get rid of? I feel like you got to get rid of one of his contracts. Get rid of both if you can. Who, Keith and CC? CC. Well, yeah. Keith is done at, uh, next year, so I might as well. You might as well ride it out and then trade so him if gonna you're not going to make it, sort of thing. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Are there not teams tanking looking for draft picks? Well, I yeah, actually Duncan there's... Duncan Keith. Would Arizona be opposed for like a second round pick to take Duncan Keith for a year or a half? Duncan Keith has a no move clause. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking well is this gonna come down to duncan keith uh is he back i know at the start of the season there was some vaccination questions with him as well so i don't know i think he did end up getting He's vaccinated playing, but yeah. that could play a part in where he goes well he only wanted to go to edmonton or... because he wanted to play with mcdavid so he, he might bold... just not move at all was he, was, <laughs> yeah, he's a bold... was he from edmonton was he from edmonton or no He's from Winnipeg. Okay. So he knows what it's like to live in garbage cities. Um, Damn, okay. But yeah, he only wanted to play for McDavid. He's not going to wave that. When the Buffalo fan says that and gets away with it, I mean, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The worst thing that will happen if you go to Buffalo is you'll have a boring weekend. The best thing that will happen if you go to Winnipeg (laughs) is you'll leave with only one stab wound. No, the worst thing that will happen if you go to Buffalo is they force you to watch five Sabres games in a row at gunpoint. In the in the Pagula's booth, they they not even at gunpoint. They pay you, and it's still the they, worst they weekend of your you life. Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they so, give you a knockoff jersey too. Yeah, they have your name spelled wrong on the back, even though my last name's only four letters. They still misspell it. <laughs> and none of them were right. Actually, they got all four wrong, in the wrong order. <laughs> it wasn't even close. It was a good attempt. 
But, I mean, with Edmonton, I think they had this problem last time when they were trading Taylor Hall. Is Every team knew how desperate they were for a defenseman. And they used that. New Jersey ended up using that to their advantage when they gave Adam Larson away for Taylor Hall. Is that not going to repeat itself now? Do we not have teams that smell the desperation in Edmonton? They know Edmonton has not a lot of cap to make moves with. So all the leverage is on the teams with cap. And they got to know the fans aren't happy in Edmonton too. There is always that Canadian market pressure, especially in Edmonton where, you know, you've had Wayne Gretzky and now you have McDavid. But with McDavid, it's not really going the same way as it did with Gretzky. You're struggling. And not 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 because of him, but you are still struggling. So our team's not going to use that kind of like they did before Taylor Hall to try to screw Edmonton almost or make sure they can get as much as they can from Edmonton. Well, yeah, that's how the business works, right? Well, I, I know, it's, but it's it's hard. It's easy, dog it's, world. it's easy to say, you know, if I'm the GM, I'll just go and make this trade and everything will be fantastic we'll get all you know it'll be like an nhl simulation i get all the players i want at the end of the day we win at the end of the day this is a team in edmonton uh we all we're canadian we all know a lot of canadian teams players don't want to play for especially edmonton and winnipeg and ottawa that are a bit more cold or a bit more out of the way but people don't want to go there it's hard enough getting players in canada anyway on a struggling edmonton team that has zero cap to move i think it's a lot easier (laughs) said than done to make these moves. And I think teams are absolutely going to use what they've done before. And yes, what they do every time they make trades. But when you look at Philly's managers last year, it didn't look like they had that same sense of other teams are desperate. We got to, got to make much as we can. They sold everything for basically nothing. So it does go both ways. And of course they're trying, every GM's trying to get the best they can, but we've seen Edmonton be screwed over before by it. Are we are we not going to see it again when they try to make these moves? Literally in the exact same situation they were last year. Exact same. Like exactly and, the same. And no team is going to, you know, no team that might even face Edmonton is going to want to give them that final piece that makes them this fantastic team with the best player in the league on it. And Dreisaitl, who I'd say is a top five player in the league. No one's going to want to do that unless they're giving up a lot or they're in the East and don't fear ever playing them, is what I'm saying. So I feel like it's going to be quite hard for Edmonton to make a change, and every time they seem to make a change, they end up in the same spot. So maybe it's time for new management, but that will never happen. <laughs> never of... in Alberta will that happen. Okay, okay, but speaking of Edmonton's management, and I want to ask the boys this, <laughs> who's the worst manager, Ken Holland or Chirelli? Oh, Shirelli. I mean... No, 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 no. You Actually, disagree. Someone posted Shirelli's, like, moves. They're not as horrible as we thought they were. They're nowhere near as bad as Holland's. Ooh. See, because Holland didn't Holland do team. well in Detroit. So I was very surprised when they brought him over after it seemed Detroit was stuck in, like, the same place Edmonton was, where they were just trying to rebuild but couldn't get any better. Maybe you have a point. I mean, obviously now they have a very good GM. <laughs> so, so Detroit is making the right steps, but I don't know. I think maybe it's just you remember the Peter Shirelli show and maybe Peter Shirelli didn't have the benefit of playing with McDavid and Drive Settle for as long, but he had a lot of first round picks that were wasted. So I I would stand by that. Keep in I mind. Mean, yeah, but he had also one of the best free agency signings of all time. Milan Lucic. With the way he's been playing, that contract's a steal. See again the Lucic contract. I Remember say it's pro- a steal, but <laughs> that was a terrible contract. That was a terrible, and then they had to trade him. So 
Calgary now, they're paying Lucic less money to play there. Well, Edmonton's paying Lucic and Neal. And none of them play there. <laughs> so, I that didn't end up working very well. Okay, so let me frame it like this. What's Holland's best move? Pulley Harvey, well, getting him over and getting him in the top six. Okay, but that was mostly done by McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, I don't think we've given him enough time because all the big moves he made were for this year and they haven't looked very good so far. So right now I would say he doesn't really have many good moves, but in a year we... or two we could go, oh, Hyman, or oh my gosh, exactly. you know. Yeah, it's not much data. You know, because yeah, Hyman, you look at Hyman some started of hot, right? If he turns it back on, we by the end of the year we could all be going, oh my gosh, I can't believe we were even talking about Edmonton and Hyman. Hyman started hot, but a 30-year-old, you know, grinder winger who can score was not what the Oilers needed. Whereas when you look not at the moves Shirelli did, he tried to fill the holes. Traded a handful of picks to get Cam Talbot, who was amazing for the Oilers for a lot of their runs during his time. Got That's Oscar Clefbaum on an extremely cheap deal, $4.167 million per year for eight years. Obviously, horrible injuries have happened to Clefbaum, that was, but that was one of the best contracts when they got him. I agree. Clefbaum was amazing when he stopped playing. I mean, what if Clefbaum comes back at some point too, right? That could fix a lot of Edmonton's defensive problems. He but traded the Ben Scrivens for Zach Cassian. Yeah, but now you look at the contract of Cassian, and I'm pretty sure it was Shrelly who yeah, signed but that, but that, the extension. I could be wrong, deal. but that was it was Holland's to re-sign him, then that's a really bad deal. So uh, Holland actually might be the worst GM when you think about it. He, he has one good signing and that's the new nuge one eight years know. it's a little long but 5.125 for nuge yeah but you, compare I mean, that, how many how many first round that picks to uh shirelli shirelli signed leon dry eight years at 8.5 million and look at that contract that's a really good contract that's one of the best contracts in the league dry settles they yeah, hated the Austin because he spoke ones. the truth. Shirelli was not the worst GM. Wow, maybe maybe wow. it's been Holland the whole time. You know, well, the, like, gun, yeah. the, the gun pointing at him, it's been Holland the whole time. Well, think about it. You got the Zach Cassian, you got the Darnell Nurse, you got the Tyson Berry, you got the Cody Cece, you got the Mike Smith. Where's a good signing? Not well, only Barry that. was good last year, though. Yeah. yeah, he plays on the power play and he just racks up a shit ton of points. That's I it. Know. Still Not to mention, he signed Connor McDavid to McDavid's deal, which is a fantastic deal. Any any deals, and like you really be couldn't have been McDavid, any more. Yeah. Like uh, you it say could have that one point five million more. Yeah, because San Jose offered Tavares thirteen million in free agency, thirteen million, just to let that sit in. So, and also he traded Martin Gernat for Patrick Maroon, who was amazing for Edmonton. He was solid on that wing with McDavid for that playoff run. Keep in mind, like we talk about that failed playoff run, but how close did he get? How close did they get? Remember how Anaheim won? Ryan Kessler falls on Calvin and pulls the pads open. Right. They almost made it to the conference finals. It's and it's crazy how like something you know. What if Kessler didn't hold the pad? Who knows what could have happened? And just how different their season could have been, and then how different everything else could have been after that. But it always Um, seems like whenever something bad like that happens, teams take a very long time to recover from it. The Flames' uh, goal that didn't count. Uh, Buffalo with the foot in the crease. It, it just seems to shock teams when they JJ, have these bad things happen to them. JJ, I just got to ask, why, what did we do to hurt you today? <laughs> Why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> uh, Austin brought up Chitrin potentially leaving, and now I'm angry. And also, so, he um, made moves that like didn't work out, but in hindsight, I'm like, that's a good move. He traded Ryan Spooner for Ryan Strom. 
Dude, okay. Ryan Strom has been amazing. If he found that game in Edmonton, imagine how helpful that would have been. That is true. Um, also, to that point, Ken Holland's trade history, can you name the best player Ken Holland has brought in on a trade to Edmonton? Ken Holland has the worst trade in Edmonton history because of that one trade for Keith where he gave up things, and he said in an interview when one of the reporters, and granted Edmonton ordered... Uh, Reporters aren't the best. They can be a little pissy. But he, one of the reporters asked, you know, why did you give up so much for Keith? And he says, well, did you want me to get him for free? Yes. Yeah. So many guys went for free this year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if not free, I mean, even Paid. less. Yeah, yeah less yeah. than what was given. Buffalo got uh, Will Butcher in a fourth for nothing. Arizona got Ghost of Fear a second and a fifth for nothing. Like, yes, get paid for it. Well, okay, yeah. not everyone can be Bill Armstrong, okay? I can't I can't put that on everyone. I mean, when, but, when Arizona has the best GM in the league, it shows, okay? The Duncan Keith one's a real bad one, but he also traded for Mike Green from Detroit. Which was <laughs> Didn't he not play a game? He played like one or zero games or something? Like, you take that contract uh, and just I'm out of your boys. I, for, I forget if it was COVID-related or what it was or he got hurt, but I don't remember him playing like and then no, the James at all. He hasn't made a good trade. He's the guy who traded Thomas Tatar to Vegas, Gustav Nyquist to San Jose. You know, it's cool. just, it's going to be extremely difficult for Edmonton because it's already hard enough to get people to go to Canada before the pandemic, right? No one wants to play in the Canadian market. It's harder now because of the restrictions that Canada has compared to America. And it's even harder to bring people to Edmonton because no one wants to play in Edmonton especially with how outspoken the media has been lately. And Ken Holland doesn't have the way to talk guys into coming to places. So they have to trade for guys or they have to draft well. Which you we know they can't that, do either. Uh, just the word McDavid makes people want to play in Edmonton? No. No. So you think McDavid's lost that kind of buzz factor? I, I, I think definitely not. But like, I think that's a great uh, selling point right there. Everyone always overstates that. When you look at free agencies, it never actually has that much sway. Like, not, Pittsburgh never signs big guys. They never had that pull because no one wants to live in Pennsylvania. doesn't matter if Crosby's on the team. How many guys have Washington signed to play with Ovechkin? Nobody. It's all about going to a place with no tax. Yeah, but you keep in mind, for years, JJ, Washington did try to get guys every year. Remember when they signed Shankirk? They try, but there's not a lot of guys (laughs) who want to go. I remember when they signed (laughs) Yeah, well, no, absolutely. But what I mean is, you guys are saying, no, the draw is gone. The draw is not gone. There's always going to want to be someone who wants to play on that line or wants to prove themselves. Do I think the the draw is as strong as it once was? No, because unless you're playing on that actual line, you can end up playing with a bunch of nobodies for the rest of your career. And I, I don't mean that to make fun of the Edmonton squad. I mean, if you're not with McDavid or Dreisaitl on that line, you can very quickly end up playing with people we've never heard of before or haven't been playing very long. And and it's Edmonton. I know we, we live in Calgary. We do have that natural rivalry, but it's the same here. It's cold. The media's on you. It's a Canadian market. Do you really want to put up with all of that just so you might potentially play with McDavid? Probably not. I would argue it's probably one of, if not the harshest Canadian market. For a lot of fans, because like, yeah, Montreal and Toronto are like just way bigger markets with a lot more pressure, it seems. But like that legacy that Gretzky left, Edmonton never forgets that. So no, you were constantly <laughs> had to bear down with the Gretzky 
icons and the you know the glorious years in the 80s also you know the media may be dickheads in toronto and montreal but you get to live in toronto montreal what's there to do in edmonton get stabbed west stabbed. edmonton mall west edmonton mall I like how I gave a proper answer, but uh, <laughs> I guess get stabs an option. Uh, we're not going to make many Edmonton uh, fans out of this not episode. Here to make fans. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to make Edmonton fans. You already no, no, it's okay. When we start talking about Calgary, we'll bring them back. Yeah, true. Don't, yeah, don't we're we're running back. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna start talking about the arena deal, man. Oh. You know what? That you know what? We could talk about that right now because. Uh, there's two arena situations that are kind of in the news right now. Um, one of them is obviously the Calgary Flames have lost the deal with the city. There is a new mayor in Calgary. Uh, I don't know who this other team is who's having arena problems. Maybe someone can remind me. Uh, I don't know. It's a I'm team sure you would fine. never think of for having no. arena problems. No, never. Uh, when I, I think I of this team, I think the of Arizona Schmiotes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> never heard of them. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that will all be sorted and taken care of in good fashion. But let's start with Calgary and uh, jokes aside. You know what? I have been the harshest critic on the Arizona Coyotes. Um, you know, our viewers may not know this, but JJ and I fight twice twice per week on this in every group chat. <laughs> twice, twice a day. <laughs> twice a day. <laughs> twice a day, yeah. <laughs> but I'll give it to the Coyotes on this one. At least they're trying different things. Glendale falls through? Okay, we're going to go to the university. University falls through? Okay, we're going to go to Tempe. They're, you know, they're trying to make something work. The Flames have been trying to beat this one dead horse for my entire life, and they still haven't got it done. It's the same deal. The same no, you're, deal. You're, you're forgetting about Calgary Next for like uh, two, three years there when yeah. that was the future up by, um, oh, what's that C train station that's. Uh, Sinalta. That's a yeah. big part why that station's up in the, the air for people not in Calgary. Yeah. It was that looking so promising. Out. It was going to be on the blue line, which is the best line, but... There's too much, um, <laughs> too much creosote under the river, that's why. It would have cost too much yeah. to... But, and, like, you know, I remember, like, being so shocked. Like, I'm like, you know, this is going to be the best location for an arena. Why don't they just chip in to clean it? But now we see the owners not want to pay for a sidewalk, so I understand. Well, that, that's a little different. Like, it's... Yeah, it would but, have been, like, a, well, like, you don't know how much money that would have been to clean up. It would have been a lot. It would have had a like, lot of money. Well, no, what, what it was was they had a deal. Then uh, election, the new mayor came in, and the deal changed. Obviously, it's a new mayor, so they're going to want to come in and get their side of the deal. I'm not going to get into the politics of that, but um, they want a new deal. Calgary was kind of like, we already had a deal, and they are a bit cheap. We all know billionaire owners are. And it just came down to, I think I think the Calgary mayor did say, though, it came down to 1% of the total cost well, being too much. And, and what it came down to, it's not just that. That's like, oh, that was, you know, what... It's the, a principle, uh, too. Well, it, yes, it is the principle that they changed the deal. And also, it was costing more, but also the COVID costs, supply chains, you know, and stuff like that. It is already costing close to $100 million more than the original budget over the last year. Prices for construction and just materials well, has gone up so much, so any additional costs that was they just need to they and I, at the end of the day like it maybe is the right thing to do costs have gone up so much they probably just need to do a new deal anyway because the economics are not the same they've completely changed yep. and i'm so. pretty sure like i could be wrong on this but because like the first day of geodi's new mayorship she declared a, like a crime uh climate crisis in calgary so i remember because like a big thing about the new deal that she was wanting to add was like a climate fee yeah because yeah. it's yep. going to be such a big polluter so i think that was also like because, like, 
with the other things that they're arguing about, that's a tangible thing. You know, we're building a sidewalk. It's going to cost this much, and this is what it's going to look like. But a climate fee is just kind of like this willy-nilly number, right? So I think, like, for Geody, she's like, I'm, I, this is my platform. I need to stand on this. And the, the Flames are like, this is my money. I need to stand on this. And, and like, but, normally I wouldn't defend the Flames or ownership. Yeah, you can't accept that. If the, You're just going to take that the new mayor can throw on a fee whenever they feel like it. Yeah, like, when, when, it's just going to be when you're costs, extorted. When costs have already gone up so much because of COVID, like COVID is really what started it. I know things blew up over Christmas over this climate fee and the sidewalk, but at the end of the day, most of the costs have come since COVID. And when they made the deal before it, I think the whole situation has changed. So, well, I mean, there was a great article written in the Calgary Herald about this, and it basically the, the deal was killed specifically just by the mayor. I know it sounds like a lot in the politics, but she was one of the three councillors that voted against it. And she's mm-hmm. the only one that could call an emergency meeting to save it, and she called no meetings. That's why council had voted now that any new deal being made, she's not allowed to be participating in it. And, uh-huh. like, and, and that's that like one an unfortunate... 14 a, yeah. to 0 said, yeah, she can't be in this new deal. Not a yeah. fan. Not a fan of the mayor. I guess. And obviously, so, like, we're getting, like, a bit deep into Calgary politics about, like, you know, there's there's a lot going on in the city council. You know, there's a lot of people who are not happy chappies. But um, it's also, like, you know, the, the flames. This is, you know, this has been a nonstop problem. And this is kind of where I give the arena more flack to the owners than the, you know, the mayor. Because it's not like this is the first time this has happened. How many years have we been talking about this? It's very, there's a common mayors. Yeah. Yeah. There's been now two mayors. There's been a very clear common denominator in this problem. And I don't see it getting better. You know, the, the owner of the flames, he doesn't even live in Calgary. He lives in Switzerland. Yeah. uh, To be fair, what owner lives in the city that they own a team in? They got to live at least half the time. The Arizona owners. (laughs) They live in Arizona. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. And if they don't live in the city, they need to have, um, you know, like, like JJ said, you know, they got to have a house there. They got to have investments there. You know, as much flack as they I do get have the investments savers. there. The, yeah, the Flames owners do have investments in the city. That's They would be very fine with pulling all of them out and moving them to Houston. They have investments, but not like other owners. Uh, every owner would move if they have a better opportunity for a better market. That's just the way the world works. That's I, how I think you're giving work. this guy way too much credence. No, no, no. I'm not giving him credence at all. I hate him. And he definitely has tried to strong arm the city and the fan base over getting this. But at the same time, that's not like too far off than what most owners would do. You look uh, at yes, other I'm... owners and they, they've put up they have piled a lot more money into their cities than ours have. I, I just want to add something on that. Um uh, the walkway's not there anymore. It has been taken down because they're building the new BMO center to get to the Flames Arena from the train station. But before they knock that down, which hasn't been knocked down that long, I saw a TV show, uh, I forget the name of it, but I saw the little intro clip on Netflix. I might have brought this up last time we talked about the Flames. And they were filming a zombie apocalypse show, and I knew exactly where it was. They didn't have to do any decoration on that runway. You would have believed it was in a zombie apocalypse show. And I think that would have surprised more people if I told them they still use that walkway for our only top, top sports team. And that's what we use. I mean, the stadium's falling apart. And that's just what we see. And we've had some insiders who have worked on the inside tell us that it's even worse when you see the parts no one's meant to see. The stadium is quite literally falling apart. Concerts don't come here. They all go to Edmonton now. 
for a city, a whole event area is needed. And I think I think that if the mayor does let it go and nothing comes out of it, that will be a huge loss for the city. But I, I got to say, she has to know the importance of this entire area to the city. Because if they're building a new stadium, it's going where the stampede is. So this will absolutely be used all the time by not just the flames. It can be used for concerts, for the, the stampede everything this is something that could save this city it, it's kind of insulting watching tv shows film apocalypse shows in your city <laughs> i don't know and, what you're talking about that's so much fun i know i'm putting zero effort in it's like i'm it in that show 24 7 but in this city i mean look wind sports the huge thing here canada olympic park it was built when the olympics were made a lot of this city's infrastructure and big sporting events were made in the, for the 1988 olympics it's it's running out they can they can barely hold it together anymore i think the floods screwed the flames over with getting a new stadium when they did because they had to spend a lot of money to uh fix up the saddle dome but now it's been way too long i mean it's what the second oldest stadium in the nhl after madison square garden which has done a full redo and obviously just by its name we all know those are not on the same level what do you do you have to build a new stadium so why why are we fighting over the one percent I don't understand. Again, it's it, like Jimbo said, there's a lot that has changed in the new market, but there's also the principle of it. You don't want to give in. It's two. It's basically two stubborn heads don't want to give in, and they both have their principles, and whoever caves in first, you know, they're going to have some kind of leeway, or they're going to lose a lot of leeway and power. Well, if you're the mayor who's in charge, doesn't matter if it's our current mayor or whoever the mayor is when it does happen, or in any other city especially a Canadian one, where you lose the city's hockey team, you are not getting reelected. I can guarantee you that. They won't move the Flames. Why not? They have the worst stadium. They the city the city has actively been fighting you on building a new one. And you have you have greener pastures next next door and where they're gonna give you all this government money. They want you to build these billion dollar stadiums. Okay, for it's not the two stadium. reasons. Two reasons. One the Flames are one of the few teams in the NHL that actually turn a profit. So moving a team that turns barely. a profit just seems idiotic in a lot of aspects in the NHL. And then two, how much money did the NHL make from Seattle's expansion as well as Vegas's expansion? You don't make any money if a team relocates. If no, anything, they're going to expand the league before they would relocate a team. Yeah, but oh, you yeah. also got to think, like, yeah, that's all the NHL wants. Yeah, but the, the NHL owners. is at the whim of the owners. If the owner goes, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. If the, and, the, owner, the, o- the, the owner has to have two thirds majority to do that. Because you got to think about it like this: uh, the Atlanta Thrashers, they made money. Sell. The Atlanta Thrashers made a ton of money, and they had a big following. The owners were like, I do not care. I'm pulling out. And that's they, when they, they lost money the last two years. And and because yes, they stopped funding like a the, lot of money. all the because uh, they bought the owners bought the basketball team as well I believe and only cared yes. about the basketball team they only yeah, cared no, about I, the basketball team but the they Thrashers lost had a, a ton following. of money but they, at the same time you need two thirds majority to of owners to say yeah you can move the team and as well the other owners and the league can be like all right you don't like it you have to sell your team yeah but this That's is also yeah, no, this thing. is this is more of a billionaire owner problem but. For how long are all these owners who are going, no, you can't move Calgary, going to stay with that defense when year after year, Calgary has no plan of building a new stadium. It's already completely outdated. Because again, gonna, Cal- it's, it's the worst It's the worst stadium in North America, hockey-wise. It's the worst stadium. For a top-level team, it's terrible. It's falling apart, literally. And it's, it's I know it has a cool shape. 
I, but it, it's seen its I time. How many owners are going to go, I want my team that I own playing in that terrible arena on national TV? They, they do not care. There is a sense of pride in that. that there's a sense of pride, but you also understand, like, you, the billionaires didn't get there just solely on pride. They got there because they're driven by money, right? So why would they want to be like, okay, you can relocate? If anything, they'll just keep putting on the pressure to get an arena deal done in Calgary. Because really the, all the though. all of the fucking expansion fees that come from the NHL go towards the owners. It's not the players who get that; it's the owners. But there's only two NHL franchises besides Calgary that really benefit from them staying in Calgary: the Oilers and the Canucks. I, I guarantee you, the Boston owner doesn't care if they relocate. Yeah, but when a te- when again when the Flames turn a profit, right? That's that profit's not shared between the players. That profit goes towards the owners. Yeah, right. But you can make and a like, lot and more okay, you can see, you can put that mo- you can put that team in a bigger market, but I think if you look at Arizona, just because you have a bigger market doesn't mean your team is going to turn a profit. Even Florida, a team that's really good, does not turn a profit. They lose about ten million a year. But the, yeah, the, if different. I do remember on Forbes, the last non-COVID year, the Flames only made one point five million in profit. Yeah, which but that's still fourteenth best in the league. About, I know, which is scary. Best. And but you also have to keep in Did, mind a lot of American, a lot of American owners buy teams to run a deflet. Their Arizona and Florida owners have definitely done that in the past because they actually save money on taxes. Florida, like, oh, owners I lost all this money and on my hockey team. Oh no, don't tax my billion dollar industry. So funny enough, for those owners, sometimes it works in their favor. But my point is, if you don't have a plan, because we had a plan, yeah. there was a deal in place. There was a plan. It takes years to build these stadiums. Years, and not during COVID. So during COVID, it could even take longer. How yep. long are, is every owner in the league going to put up with? There's not even a plan in Calgary. And obviously, by the end of this year, they could remake a deal or make some adjustments or whatever. But for now, this is the second deal that's fallen apart. That was, this is it. This is finally it. This is Calgary next we're talking about here. We built the C train station up in the air. How long are they going to wait and go, there's no plan? We're five years away from an arena, and this one's falling apart even more every year. You uh, could make the exact same argument about the Coyotes. The team well, the is falling don't apart. They have an arena. That's they don't the have a, Yeah, they don't have an arena. <laughs> they, need to have they don't have a plan. They don't uh, have anything going for them. No, but I, I've said this. I've said this uh, in private groups. The difference with Arizona and Calgary is Calgary only has one building they can possibly play out of unless they build another one in Calgary, where Arizona has so many possibilities even though they haven't been doing great uh, financially and maybe don't have the best reputation they still have a lot of options they can play with the suns if they need to they can try to make a deal with the university if tempe falls apart i know glendale's probably saying no now but you know probably won't go back to glendale but who knows and they have other options as well there's a lot of just big stadiums and concert venues in arizona and especially in that greater phoenix area which encompasses all those other towns so there is a possibility of, you know, even if they end up somewhere for a year or two and then somewhere else for a year or two and then maybe they get a deal done. I have a little bit of hope in that, not a lot. But the Flames, if it's not the Saddle Dome, they don't have an option in Calgary. I got a couple of points, a couple of points to put in, and I think pretty shortly probably should move into the actual team. But yeah. my, my points, <laughs> my point, uh, what my points would be is into some of the things that were said. A, Calgary Next was never a deal. It never actually got off the ground. It was just a pipe dream by the Flames, but like it was never going to happen. Uh, I think that 
a new deal does happen soon. I think there's a lot of want on both sides to have a deal. I think the council, the city has expressed a lot of interest. You know, they're, they're actively pursuing you know, a possibility of another deal and obviously the planes want a deal. And then the other Maybe. thing, I, the other thing I would say, the last thing I would say is don't underestimate how much extra money there is flowing around now. Uh, maybe not as much on the city side, but on the private sector side, oil and gas companies, obviously what Calgary is known for. At the current price of oil, there is a lot of money flowing around right now. And if these prices continue, I don't see why there isn't, that doesn't hinder into uh, next steps in the deal here. So I think we do see a deal over the next year, uh, at least good progress towards a good deal in the next year. I do, also, so. I do want to add to Jimbo's point there, his second point specifically. Um, Calgary even has brought in a third-party arbitrator to this, so they're actually working towards a deal for this, and it, it, it will get done within a year. I, I certainly hope so. Um, obviously, I think it would be a terrible thing for the NHL if it lost a Canadian team, especially the city I grew up in. I think that would be a big shame for the city, and I know the people of Calgary would lose their minds, literally, if, uh, <laughs> if, the, Flames, if the Flames win, their minds would be gone. They have nothing to watch every night. But I am just, you know, I am just worried when it, it just <laughs> seems to never end. It, it always seems to come back. Same with Arizona whenever it was re-signing the deal in Glendale. And it was like, oh, it's, it's fine. We'll sign it again and we'll be fine. Eventually, time runs out. And we have seen tragedies where the Jets did move to, the, uh, to Arizona. And we have seen Quebec move as well. So Canadian teams have moved before with strong fan bases. So it is possible. But hopefully it never happens. Okay. Right, we should probably move team. on to our next sub, uh, subject now. I think we should talk about something as ugly as the arena deal, the Calgary Flames. We didn't actually talk about the team. <laughs> I just want to quickly clarify. Uh, I do not think the Flames are going to move before the Coyotes if a team is to move. Uh, we just didn't really get into the Coyotes there. Uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on there, which we're just going to let happen, and we'll bring that up if it matters at another time. But to uh, continuing with the Flames... What's going on with the Daryl Sutter, uh, Sutter show? I will hand it off to one of the two Flames fans. You guys can fight over who wants to you can take it. tell us about Go the on. Flames first. <laughs> all right. So the Flames have been pretty good this year. And if you look at all their like advanced stats and all how they've been playing, just even watching them, they've been really good this year. However, in the last 12 games, the 3-8-1, they've been outscored 35-45. to 45. And... Ultimately, when it looks at when you look at this team and you look at those last twelve games, it comes down to two things: one, the lack of secondary scoring. If that team doesn't have you know the top line going, there's no one scoring. And then two, is that goaltending is kind of just falling off a cliff in Calgary. In, in twelve games, they've only had three games where they had a, a save percentage above nine hundred. Like, I don't know any playoff teams that have a goalie that has a 907 save percentage or even lower than that. But when that's what your goalies are producing and your guys aren't scoring, like, what do you do? <laughs> you do it. The Calgary Flames always do. You uh, bite the bullet, you make it into the playoffs, or just don't. And then you, if you make it, you fail in the first round and you restart next year. Like, like, this team, during that 12-game span, Goudreau and Kachuk, has 17 points in 12 games and then everything else is just off a cliff it's and a i will say goudreau it has 44 points in 36 games this year so i Contract remember last year, year i said Contract if he's not getting year. points he's not doing anything well this yeah again contract year but this year 
he is getting points, so we can't put the blame on Goudreau this year. Uh, he's been great defensively, too. Like, he's actually been good defensively. Oh, without a doubt, he's been the best player. Yeah. Other than maybe someone argue Markstrom, but in terms of, like, non-goalie player. Yeah, but when Markstrom falls off a cliff, the team dies. Like, that's why, and that's what's happened. They have three wins in the last 12 games. Well, and if you're the Flames, um, especially as it comes up to this deadline here, what do you do? Goudreau is a it is a contract year, as we've said, but uh, I mean, obviously they've probably been talking and trying to see if they can re-sign him, but we, we don't know anything about that, so we don't know how close it is. But if it's not very close, I feel like you have to trade him. There's no way you can let a guy above point per game not, you know, just walk for free. You can, if you're in the playoff spot, try to just go for it one last time, but even so, I feel like I don't feel like the Flames are in a winning position to win the Stanley Cup. And if they try and go for it and lose Goudreau for free, how far does that set Calgary back? Because now, now you don't have you don't even have Goudreau <laughs> to try to win you some games. So, what do you do with Calgary? Are you guys on the trade side, or do you want to just ride it out? Hopefully, he resigns. I think you got to ride it out. And the big reason why you know you're not hearing anything about trades is because. Right now, like, we know Goudreau can produce in the regular season. That's not an issue. We know he can do that, right? But the issue is, is whether he can do that in the playoffs. So I think it really comes down to if the Flames see nothing in the playoffs, they will let him go and go for a big free agent instead. So you're just saying if they let him go, it's okay because they have cap space? Well, the cap space they would gain would be helpful, and they can go for a guy like Pomas Hurdle. For instance, a guy who plays both left wing and center. Is he a free agent this He's year? He's a UFA. Mm, we'll so, see if he wants to restay with the Sharks. And that, that, that's another thing, right? Like, I don't want to lose Goudreau, but like, I don't think the Flames are going to make a move. And I think Goudreau's camp is the same. They're going to wait to see after the playoffs because that will really determine Goudreau's, you know, bargaining power and how much money he can command. So, but the way you're saying that, uh, it sounds like to you the Flames are for sure going to make a playoff. The playoffs. They yeah. seem pretty confident. They're in a pretty good spot uh, right now. Yeah, they do have a lot of games in hand, but um, we have to. I, I believe you guys said they were winning by like six right now, so that will they will jump up into the wild card spot if they do win tonight. But games in hands are great; it's what you do with them. So it is up in the Flames' court. We have to see yeah. how they do. So why I think the Flames will make the playoffs is like if you look at the advanced analytics of this team, they're not bad. Like Edmonton. If you look at how they compare just to their own division, just specific teams, Edmonton ranks fifth or sixth on any given night, and that's like the overall how they'd rank. Flames are second, only behind Vegas. And in like the total league standing, they're only behind Vegas and how they're performing at like an advanced analytical rate. That means they're doing good things. What the Flames are lacking is just that scoring power. What is it? 57% of all Flames goals come from Boudreaux, Lindholm, Kachuk, and Manjipani. That's it. No scoring uh, depth. Those, three people you have to sign this year, actually. Yeah, and that's pretty <laughs> terrifying. Uh, and the other thing is, Connor, that um, back at the beginning of the season when they were doing really well, winning lots of games, a lot of their wins were against Eastern teams. They were away, and they were playing Eastern teams. But for some reason, Flames always seem to struggle against division rivals. And that's not a two-point game. That's a four-point game. And Calgary, typically, and especially this year, and, and in the past, they struggle for some reason against all of their division rivals. Typically, you know, especially Edmonton, they cannot be yeah. Edmonton uh, half of the time. And 
And I think that's going to be a big deciding factor. Yeah, like you said, JJ, they've got games in hand, but they've got lots of division games coming up because they haven't played that many right now. And they have a lot coming up in a row after their big break. You're absolutely right. Like, when you look at the division, right, Calgary was beating Edmonton in almost every facet the last time they played them. They lost 5-3. The man's analytics doesn't mean anything if you lose. And, and the other thing is that's been really frustrating to watch is that they haven't been able to gain any ground or any space on Edmonton when they've been losing. Edmonton's been losing, so has Calgary. They, they've moved literally in tandem this whole season. Edmonton started well, Calgary started well. Edmonton started losing, Calgary started losing. So they've missed the opportunity to jump ahead of Edmonton. Yeah. Just based we're, on they've been tracking the same the whole season. We're forever the little brother complex of hockey. Whatever Edmonton does, <laughs> we have to do it. Yeah. They're winning, worse, we have yeah. to win. We lo- they're losing, we have to lose. You know? But I think the big struggle for the Flames is just going to be how competitive the West is. I mean, all the way down to Chicago. Any And Chicago's a bit more out of it once you start getting that low, but... Even Chicago could have a good run, and they're still in it. And that goes all the way down to, except for two teams, I think Seattle and Arizona are really the only two teams who I don't see at all coming back. And Chicago, it's not very likely, but they could. And these California teams that we've been looking at, I don't think any of us predicted these California teams to bounce back as well as they did and stay up where they are. Uh I think we all thought they were going to fall off and they haven't yet so that could be another thorn in the side of the flames if these california teams go actually we are going to be playing very well especially anaheim where the flames are historically bad at playing them Flames have been good over the last two years if you want to talk about historically bad the flames have lost nine straight in vegas i don't they've never won in vegas yeah like they've, vegas they've never won in that <laughs> hey the casino always wins that also always wins right <laughs> House always wins, but the, like the Flames are pretty decent against the Central. The only thing they struggle with is their own division. Yeah, that's the only thing they struggle with heavily. So yes, there is a valid point there, and it doesn't change, especially when you have like the need and the drive for like more scoring depth. When you have young, fast guys that have something to prove, like an Anaheim where they have Trevor Zagres, right? These guys have something to prove. They're gonna try even harder. And they're going to outplay guys like Brad Richardson, Sean Monahan, Michael Backlund. They're going to get outplayed. So I, did, I don't know if making the playoffs is as easy as you've made it sound. Because, I mean, Vegas has 50 points. Oh, no. And uh, it's, the Kings and Ducks have 47. It's not so, and they've only played one or two more games. For Calgary just to drop the ball and go on a 10-game losing streak. That is, like, not out of character for the Flames, this score. Well, absolutely. I don't think the Flames have ever uh, gone on a huge losing streak. It's more just like the Kings. They're hot and cold. They get hot and cold. But like, but I I think this is a tough division. Like I'm looking at the standing now, and it feels like almost every game in the West, except against two teams, is going to be a very important game for the rest of the year. I mean, James, who would have thought Nashville was as good as they were this year too, right? I mean, James, Minnesota, the California teams here. Calgary has six games in hand on all of them. Again, games in hand are great. It's what you do with them, and obviously, if they are winning right now and go on a couple game winning streak, that's fantastic. But they are enough points behind where it's starting to go, you're going to have to win a majority of those games, for sure, just to be competitive. So even if you win all those games and then you're competitive, well, then you're just back tied. So then then you still have to keep playing well, and you're hoping these teams aren't playing well, and obviously they want to get in the playoffs too. I, I just don't think it's going to be as simple as, it, <laughs> as we put it out at the beginning because no. these teams are playing quite well, and it is very possible that a Western team falls off 
especially because every Western team seems to be keeping it competitive, but very well could be the Flames as well. Well, it's going to be coming down to that final wild card. There's a lot yeah. of teams fighting for that final wild card. Minnesota's probably got, you know, the way that things are going right now, they've got that. Assuming they don't move up in their division, they've probably got that one in lock. You know, that, that first wild card is probably going towards the central, almost certainly. So you have basically half, if not more than half of the Pacific, Pacific division, you know, all around that same amount of points. And only, you know, only four of them are going to make it in. And so. that's what I'm saying. You may have these games in hand, but if James is saying a lot of these teams are Pacific rivals, they're not going to, they don't want to let you win. They're not going to, this isn't getting, none of these games are going to be easy. And if all these teams believe they can make it in, they're going to fight even harder. Why not? Historically, I would have agreed with you, but for the first time, Flames have an actual coach that is doing well. Daryl Sutter has done everything that I was, you know, scared he wouldn't do. He's made this team an offensive team, a strong team, and a good top team to play against. So that those all translate to getting wins. And it's not like you have Glenn Gullitson behind the bench or Bill Peters behind the bench, some like half-ass coach that can't coach an actual team. We got an actual coach. And that's a lot easier to, you know, get those wins when you're playing well with a good coach. Well, would you not say all these other teams that have seemingly come out of nowhere and are doing quite well that they're not playing well with a good coach or a system that's working for them? I'm not saying that not. I'm just saying the pedigree of a coach that Daryl Sutter is is a world-class coach. And I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to read you four players that play for the Flames right now. Uh, Trevor Lewis, Brad Richardson, Brett Ritchie, <laughs> and Eric Branson. Okay, now say world-class coach one more time. That's not on him. What, what do you want me to do? He's the, he's a coach. He's not the GM. Not get... play them. Not play them. <laughs> yeah, he, he, okay, so you can't just say not play them. He doesn't have the ability to call up guys. That's on the GM. Brett Ritchie has zero points. Not play <laughs> Both goalies yeah. have more points than this guy. Yeah, both goalies. I'm not saying, but, like, but what, what do you want him to do? 28 games. You can't call up anyone. Man, I really hope there weren't people on this podcast last year saying how good Brett Ritchie is and how like how he's gonna. This is the return to revenge tour. <laughs> Brett Ritchie's gonna just, punish everyone in the NHL, including me, just for putting spitting down on him. Well, that didn't uh, last year. Just, just you wait before. until he gets waved and picked up by somebody, and then he'll be a monster. Him and Sam <laughs> Bennett will make the Flames pay for what they've done. Wow. That is probably a record for the longest amount of time gone before Sam Bennett's name was brought up on this podcast. <laughs> Sam Bennett's exactly what the Flames need. He would have been huge. Isn't that, isn't that... <laughs> Shut up. Shut it's up. It's true. It's true. It wasn't it's working true. in Calgary, though. Under Daryl Sutter? Are you kidding he, me? He was good under Sutter. He was a Sutter player. Yeah. God, could you imagine? He had served his time. Backland and Bennett? At, at the end, end of the day, I sleep at night because he was never going to play the way he's playing in Florida and Calgary. But he was never going to play like that. He needed I a new start. That. It's easy Do you to think... look at how he's doing now and say, wow, we should have kept him. Like It would have been amazing. Okay. Exactly what the Flames need. He would have never done that in Calgary. Guaranteed. That's fine. I agree. He probably would have not been this amazing guy. Do you think... How much is he making? Three mil in Florida? Four, I think. Four something? It's four something, I'm pretty sure. Four? Okay. So he's going to make a bit like less. A lot of people thought he was overpaying the summer. Like, it was enough that people were calling him overpaid. 
I know, 4.4. Just a no, it was, it was pretty mixed. A lot of people. Okay, 4.4. That's pretty. That's pretty good. And he would have probably made less if he stayed with Calgary and didn't have that amazing run on Florida, right? And yeah. would have been paying taxes. So, like, okay, like, let's say he's like making like 3.5 if he stayed with Calgary. Do you think he would have put up more points than 12? Uh, than zero. <laughs> with Brett Not even that. So Do yes. you think he would have put up more <laughs> points than 12 points by now in the season? Absolutely. In Calgary. Yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah. Blake Coleman's getting paid 4.9 and he only has 12 points. Yeah. Coleman's yeah. looking. Even well. if Sam Bennett wasn't what he is in Florida, he still would have been better than what you guys went out and got to replace him. And Blake Coleman's 30 and he signed for six more years. I mean, just I, with the this, Coleman signing was bad. Like, the Coleman sign wasn't great. Um, but the Coleman sign was brutal. Absolutely the, the, brutal. Yeah, but that's just the long history of the Calgary GM being one of, the, of, no, if not the worst GM in the league. He is fucking horrendous, and I don't know how he still has a job. I don't know how you guys are playing Brett Ritchie, Brad Richardson, and Trevor Lewis when you have two guys in Stockton who are point per game and one guy who's under a point per game by one point. And they're because all forwards. Because our GM will not do that. He will not play it. I mean, to be fair, to Daryl Sutter's point, you don't know how these guys are going to play in the NHL. And putting those guys in on the fourth line doesn't help them. You don't even have to put them on the fourth line. You can sprinkle them in. You could do Johnny Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachaki, keep that line. Then you do like Manjupani, Backland, Peltier. Yeah. And then you can do, and then you can do like Phillips, Monahan, Dubé, and then I don't know who cares about the fourth line. Just get that to work. Yeah, like that's a lot better, and like a lot of fans would probably agree with you there. But yeah, it's that, just you guys have the worst GM. He refuses to call up three guys who are NHL caliber right now. Like think about it this year: the money we spent on Erica Branson and Zadorov, we could have used that money for a guy like Carter. Uh, what was it? Verhage and Duke Claire. And saved about $1.5 million. I don't know about you, but they look pretty good in Florida. Like another well, way to Florida's think about it lucky. is who would you rather have? Trevor Lewis, Brad Richardson, Milan Lucic, or oh, Jack Eichel? Hold on. Luch? <laughs> Luch has been playing good. So we... Luch has been playing good for Lucic. No, even, like, even more than just Lucic. He's been playing actually like pretty decent. He has 14 points in 36 games. He's playing good for Lucic. I'll give him that. I'll tell you who I'd rather have. Maybe not Eichel. I'd rather have Reinhardt. I still Reinhardt. think Flames would have made, should have made that trade. Yeah. And not, you don't get Coleman. I know he's just saying You play around the lines a little bit. But... Yeah, Reinhardt can play wing, wing, though, too. too. Oh, he can play right wing as well. Yeah. I don't know no, why Which Calgary... is what the Flames needed. <laughs> I don't know why Calgary didn't go, okay, a first and Levi for Reinhardt. Okay, we'll give a first Wolf. And another prospect. Done deal. But with the way that they, they're trading Balamaki or Connor Mackey, why not throw one of those guys in? You're not playing them anyways. Yeah. Right? Where, where's where's he been? He's only played eight games, Balamaki. Has he been in the HL or they sent him down now? Well yeah. they just scratched him. Buffalo so, would absolutely would take in a first um Wolf Balamaki. Yeah, for Ryan. And Balamaki could play in the NHL yeah. for sure. I, like why so, why not make that trade? Throw in Dustin Wolf. And then at twelve, take Wolston. Like I'm not well, saying why you... a bad pick, but like why not take the franchise goalie? Why would you bring in Gabranson and Zadorov, who play like basically the same game, and not leave a spot for a younger guy? Why would you bring in two old, exact same one year deals, just tough, be tough, and then send Valmaki down? Branson's that doesn't bad, make sense to me. But 
He, it's surprisingly not the worst. The, the Adderall one is worse. No, he, you he, definitely put Gabranson down a bit more than he plays 17 minutes a night. If he was as bad as you say he was, the Flames would be nowhere near the position. I mean, the Flames are third in the league for goals against, I think. Yeah, third in the league for goals against. Good Branson's played Good the Brands. best hockey he's played in his entire career in Calgary. I she can't say get to see at this point. <laughs> no, that's going to Luge first. But Zadarov has been so bad. Not only do you give away a third round pick for Zadarov, and you sign him as an RFA to a one year deal. What's the point? Like, honestly, what's the point? Maybe testing him out. Uh, I mean, Shillington definitely came out of. Not nowhere, but for how well he started the year, it definitely seemed like that wasn't expected. And he has cooled down a bit now, but maybe they just didn't expect that. But even so, I just don't understand why you'd bring in the same player twice. For, and they didn't just give him, like, nothing deals. Like, they paid Gabranson. Isn't it, like, $2 million or yeah. something? With $2 million for Gabranson. Yeah, like that's a lot of money. For, and almost yeah, and it didn't. And it didn't off. seem like it didn't seem like they needed to. It didn't seem like any other team was interested. So it just seemed like out of nowhere that they paid him as much as they did. And I think he's had a decent defensive season. I think he gets shit on a bit too much because he doesn't have an offensive game. But why then bring in Zadorov? It doesn't make any sense to me. Zadorov is the worst player on the Big man hit. Big man hit hard. (laughs) True. I forgot it's the Daryl Sutter show. (laughs) Zadorov's one of those guys who's like, uh, he's so bad, but he's so fun to watch. He's the Arendelle of defensemen. No, it's the Rasmus Ristolainen of the West. Exactly. <laughs> you ever watch Aaron Dell playing goal? He's the worst goalie, but he is so fun to watch. Because I'm like, this man doesn't even know what he's doing. He's just having fun. Ouch. Not a fan of Aaron uh, Dell, clearly. Uh, Look up Aaron Dell's career save percentage, and you'll see why I'm not. <laughs> no, I don't have to. <laughs> also, just to add, uh, Killington is the fifth highest scoring player on the Flames. He's an RFA. And, and maybe we should touch on that situation because there's a lot of signings to be done this offseason, and I have no idea yeah, what the hell they're going to do. Yeah, of Shillington, the top five scorers. Goudreau, Kachuk. Yeah. Uh, Luchic, uh, does Luchic come off, or is that no, next, next year? year? It's next nope. year, right? So that's not going to so, give any help. So that's no good. I, I I do do, like, how are you going to pay Kachuk? <laughs> he has to get paid a minimum of $9 million. Like, How are you going to afford and that? And Goudreau is going to get... 10? You know what? If the Calgary Flames have can hold out that long on an arena deal, they will let a player waste their career away in Siberia for all <laughs> they care before they let them walk for free. But this but, might have been the big plan after all. But here's the thing, JJ. Projected cap space. The last year million. Kachuk's deal um, is $9 million. So they have to give him, if they want to keep his RFA status, they have to qualify him. Give him that. Yeah, so at the very least, he gets $9 million. Yeah, there's no, But there's no rule on how many years, right? It's one year. It's one year, yeah. So, okay. I mean, if they're after, paying him for like, one year. Chuck signs his qualifying offer, it's $9 million for one year, and afterwards, it's a UFA. And I, I think you take him around a very lovely tour of the Calgary Tower, and uh, Go to maybe Bam. you take him out to the mountains. Yeah, yeah with uh, Rasmus Anderson, who's a huge fan of the mountains. And yeah. the issue, though, just hope it, hope it, uh, you know, he gets emotionally connected. Probably <laughs> the issue, though, is like the Flames' his whole career have been dicking around Kachuk. They refuse to give him the C. You know, he's the best young player the Flames have had in forever. And yet they refuse to build around him. They refuse to commit to him. You know, there's always this like news of the team doesn't like him, and they keep telling him to knock off his 
you know, his pesty play. You look at the you look at Ottawa, they embrace Brady. They love it. They gave him the C, they gave him eight years right off the bat. They love his antics. They treat him like a WrestleMania star every time he's on the ice. You know, so if you're Matthew, you're like looking at that, you're like, wow, I should be appreciated like that. I'm I'm better than Brady by a mile. And yet the franchise I'm on wants to bury me. They don't care. They were gonna hardball the crap out of me this offseason. I think Daryl Sutter has actually helped a lot because since Daryl Sutter has taken over, Kachuk is starting to look more like the get under people's skin cut Kachuk, the one that makes him the best he can be, you know? But so Yeah, it definitely brings up a lot of questions. What do you guys think they do? How how do, how do they get this guy signed? I don't I, know. I don't know you, how that, You that. lose one of them, and it's going to be Goudreau. You think I Goudreau agree. Goes? I agree. And so that's why I'm saying you trade Goudreau at the trade deadline. No, he's not going to trade that one. Is your no. He's not going to. I I know trade living won't. Yeah. But that's what you should do. Yeah. You trade him at the I mean, trade It's going to have to be the offseason. You got to trade back yeah. on Monaghan if you want to sign him. Who's going to take them? Oh, hey, here's Sean Monaghan. He's 28 and has one rib that works and maybe an okay rest. Yeah, it's like three million. No one takes hey, that. Uh, I, know, I know someone. I know someone that would take a <laughs> draft pick or two. And uh, his name is Bill Armstrong. No, no, they, I don't think and, uh, Tree <laughs> he can't sell picks and stuff like that. He already did Sean that Monaghan, how would you like to feel to be the number one center of the Buffalo Sabres? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sean Monaghan, how does it feel to play on the fourth line in Arizona? Because that's what we do to Canadian centers. So I hope you play well. You don't even have to score. You'll play with Jeff Skinner. He'll put the goals in for you. <laughs> I think Some... talk about the kind of situation, though, here with Calgary. They're not like even if they do make the playoffs, which I do think they will, and they still have all these guys they have to resign. This team's not a cup contending team. No. And if you just look at the years, what has the GM done for this team? Like, if Calgary wants to make the next step, like, where does Calgary go if they make it to the second round and they're out early in the second round? Well, they have to make the playoffs first this like, year you, and, like, see, and get past the first round. Like, That's hypothetically, let's say, that. like, Calgary gets past the first round after making the playoffs. What do they do there? But if they get swept in the second round. I I think it's ma- I think you'd have to do management them? because it's the perfect time to do management if it's this year. Goudreau's heading out. You've kind of lost that guy if he goes. Or you're bringing in the next guy to decide if they want to keep Goudreau or not, and maybe he can sign him to a deal. I maybe think... he can trade him. But I think you have to if if this year does not work for the Flames, or it's you know it's the same as every year they make it or just don't make it, and then lose if they do make it. It has to be management. You've tried coach. The players are kind of getting to that natural age where you should move on from them. So maybe a bit of that as well. But you've had tree living forever, and nothing nothing's come from it. So you have to change that. I think if you miss the playoffs and you lose Goudreau for nothing, like that's it. There's no coming back from that. And I don't know what Calgary's identity is going to be without Johnny Goudreau. That's it. That's you have Kuchuk. He signs. You'd have to. With what money though? Kuchuk's going to ask for ten. Yeah, you can give Curl ten. You can't give Curl ten if you give Kuchuk ten. And then Mangiapane, how much is he making? And, and, and we know his agent came out and said they want him to try the market when he can. I know he's an RFA, but they're really going to want to sign a short term. He's going to bet on It's going to be yeah. Milan Lucic to Arizona for two-thirds, go to Arizona, and then he finishes his career in Arizona, and then they have that much more cap space. Or it'll be something like that, maybe if it's Backlund, although, although Backlund's signed for a long time, isn't he? Yeah, he's got two more years. Up five. Oh, only two? Okay, that's not that, that's not that long. 
Yeah, but like now I know the guys. Two years doesn't matter, man. It's like this year. You need the space this year, not two years. And I know like like your bottom six sucks, but you have to have a bottom six. Your entire bottom six is firing. And you can't just like I I'm all for the young guys, but you can't have the bottom two lines all young guys. You do need some experienced people there. Again, both of those guys that we signed for the bottom six are, are just horrible. The highest paid guy is Tyler Pitlick at one point seven five million. Hey, it's the return of the Troy Brower Brower play. Okay. <laughs> it's time to bring him back. It's Daryl Sutter's hockey. That's like that's where he thrives. You know, we bring always him back. we clowned on them so hard for that and Flames fans were like, see it's over and then they immediately put <laughs> Lucic on the power play. Yeah, and then went, Why why is this yeah, like why, why is this, this repeating itself? Yeah. <laughs> How did this happen? Just doing great. You know, I think every year is a make-or-break year for the Flames, and Tree Living has kind of dodged the bullet, but I think he can't dodge it anymore. This is the trains are about to crash into each other. This is this is the summer where the Flames have to rebuild their identity, where they decide what they're going to be. I, I would agree, and you've gone through the coaches, so you can't say it's the coach. Kind of like coach. Edmonton. How many coaches have the Flames gone through? And then even that, how many coaches have the Flames gone through who have coached another NHL team after they've coached the Flames? Not many. So I as a head coach, as a head coach, not a if they go somewhere else. On one of those coaches as to why he never played or coached again. Well, he did coach again in the NHL. He just went. He went to where all the other bad boys go <laughs> when they do bad things. Wait, which which coach? I don't know what you guys are talking about. Bill Peters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you not know what we're talking about? Wait, what did Bill Peters do? Yeah, where did he go? Where did he go? Did he go somewhere else? I bet he went, he to, went the to the he went to the KHL. Oh, did he? Okay. I uh, to quote like... the to quote the Flames Arena staff member working when we went to the game, like pretty quickly after he got fired, he said some not nice words. Ah, some really not nice words. I'm pretty Very sure he's coaching uh, Reed Boucher right now too. So like quality guys in the KHL, but. Yeah, to just like tie it all together, the the flames just this is this is it. They are they going to be you know the roaring flames, or are they going to smoke out at the end of this off season? I guess we'll find out. But it, I'm I'm not optimistic. I think I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So you yeah, think well, they are pretenders and don't make the playoffs? I I think they are pretenders. Yeah. I don't even think pretenders. I think it's going to be hard enough. I. I really think if the Flames make it, it's going to be because they played well. Because a whole bunch of these teams were playing well, and it's just going to come down to whoever's playing and if the they best when it matters. In, they're just going to get their cheeks clapped by Vegas. So like, I know Vegas you know, plays a wild card team. You guys will squeak in as they a wild card. They play Vegas or they'll <laughs> play Edmonton, and you'll get clapped either way. Yeah, you're, both. You're both saying of them. that Flames won't catch San Jose. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Bruce Boudreau is bringing the Canucks back. <laughs> just you wait. Yeah, Stanley yeah. Cup final. Here we go. I just I don't see this game better. I don't think the, I think they're fakers. I I gotta disagree. I, I I think they're absolutely a playoff team. They're not contenders, but they're not. Sorry, sorry. Brad Richardson, Trevor Lewis, Tyler Pitlick is a what team? You say that, and then you look at how they've been doing. Like yeah, they've been struggling recently, but you look at how they've done on the year. They've been playing pretty good. They started hot, but so many teams start hot. How many times did Buffalo started the ten game winning streak? Start of the year doesn't matter. It's not real. Yeah, but Buffalo also had like one guy on their team, and that was it. Uh, our, we were very similar. We had one good line and nothing else. We were just like the Flames. I don't. The the same issues were brought up with Colorado a couple of years ago, 
they had one line and they started spattering out. And that's why they ended up in the second wildcard spot. And then what? They went to the conference final. Yeah, but they also had drafted guys like Kale McCarr and trusted their youth and didn't sign Erica Branson. I'm just put, saying. Put some respect on Richardson's name, Stanley Cup winner, Arizona legend, first of all. He's there to do his job for a minimum, and that's what he's doing, okay? No, he's yeah, I know. This is Sutter's out. wet dream from 2012. <laughs> his team would win like six cups back then, but. I'm, again, I'm not saying they're going to win a cup. I'm just saying this is a team that makes the playoffs. I agree. Uh, I think I they make the playoffs. We'll I guess uh, I guess in a future podcast we will have to come back to this moment and see when the two Flames fans uh, predicted them making it and the two non-Flames fans being a little bit less optimistic and saying oh, they're not going to make it. Do you guys want to make a bet for Nando's? I'm, I'm good. I'm going to hold off and wait until I have my ball to keep when Giordano <laughs> comes back. See, and just to clarify, that's if he signs with them, not trade. Trade doesn't matter if he doesn't sign uh-uh, no, no, if nope. he comes back, a free agent if he comes back, no, no, that wasn't a deal, you go, you go look at it again, <laughs> I, <laughs> I will it's review the footage, signing, it's a signing, so, if, if he, either or, either way, if he gets back. traded here, he'd probably get a sign, right, but, I think, guaranteed. I don't think he's gonna get traded here, I think he'll sign a one-year deal, though, guys, okay, so the point making a trade this year, no, I could have swore I just read they're the last team in on Eichel. Yeah, so if the Flames get Calgary Eichel, does that fix all their problems? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Flames fan, one Flames fan is gone. We are, Okay, he's back. He's returned. <laughs> <laughs> he's returned. Clearly a touchy subject. Well, we have been going for quite a while now, um, so we can end it with the last question, but if anyone does want to have their final say on the Flames, now is their time. I will hold my peace on the Houston Flames. <laughs> Don't, uh, the, we're, we're wearing the coyotes jerseys we can't we can't even say that that city name it doesn't exist <laughs> it's not real there is no place called houston i've never heard of it um so i guess for the final question is um we did talk about jack eichel before uh, obviously he hasn't played yet but he is we have seen him in that red jersey practicing with vegas um how do we feel about that how you know we do have a buffalo fan here so how is Buffalo doing from the spoils of the Jack Eichel trade? And what are our predictions for Jack Eichel with Vegas? Uh, yeah, I think, to be honest, I think it's worked out better for Buffalo than I would have anticipated. I thought that Vegas got an absolute steal when it was first... Uh... It's funny, I remember, you know, when it, it first broke and Austin was dead radio silence for like eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I, thought I think he it was just, two days. I thought he just like threw his phone in the river and just like left home and just started walking north to see like where he could go. Edmonton. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, to be honest with you, the caliber of player that caliber of player that uh, Eichel is, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, you look at the players and it's like, ah, like one of them was injured at the time and, you know, and another unknown prospect and not even a first round pick. I mean, let's, come on, like, but. No, we got a first. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a first yeah. with Vegas, so it's not really first. It's going to be bomb. Yeah, it's going to be like it's going to be like. Yeah, so, but Tuck, since he came back from injury, has been really good. He's been over a point a game, and so if that continues, I don't know much about the prospect, uh, the other guy, to be honest, to say much. But like, even just based on that, he's playing. He's putting up Eichel numbers right now. Eichel's putting up with the Buffalo Sabers. Plus, you get that prospect. Plus, you get the picks. 
Consider it, it all really depends on how Eichel comes back from his injuries. So that's going to be obviously the real deciding factor, as obvious as it is. So, but I think right now it actually looks pretty good for Buffalo. I, I don't know if they won because we don't know because Eichel's not playing. But I think it looks pretty good for Buffalo right now. So that's my opinion. I'm going to kind of give a similar opinion. Like obviously the package was very underwhelming from the Sabers, um, given that. Huck and Krebs are nowhere near the caliber of a player that Eichel is and never will be the kind of caliber of a player. And no one draft with that pick is going to be anywhere near those kind of caliber of a player. But what it does is it gives Buffalo, it sheds like the last pieces of that failure of a franchise era where they just couldn't do anything. It sheds that awful, you know, those horrible years, those career make you want to shoot yourself years, right? So having a guy who is a Sabres fan for birth, you know, like kind of like John Tavares in Toronto, he may not be a superstar kind of caliber player, but having a guy who this is his hometown team, he loves this team, that's going to do great things. Not to mention just based on how Vegas has structured their team, okay, they're going to get Eichel back, but then like they're going to have to trade out like so many players because they were going to be so much over the cap. It really didn't make any sense in a lot of ways for Vegas to do this, especially since like Mark Stone makes similar money. Pacioretty makes similar money. Peter Angel makes similar money. Shea Theater makes similar money. Like where's like, yeah, you're going to have one good line, one good power play unit. And then it's just going to be like, shit. I, I, I think, I think it's more leaning towards Buffalo. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm going to be the voice of reason here. We have not seen Jack Eichel play one game. Uh, I am a huge fan of Alex Tuck. I was in Vegas. And I, that is hard for me to say because I'm not a fan of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I'm pretty open. My bias is against them. They're another desert team. Can't like them. But, yeah, uh, I was very surprised when he was a part of that deal. He had a, he has a great contract. He's a big, tough guy who gets points. That is that is a playoff guy right there that you want on your team. I want that guy protecting my players and scoring out there. And when you, when you, it felt like they had everything. They had the great contract. They had this great player. Unfortunately, he had to be given up for Eichel. If Eichel can play as if he as if he did in Buffalo, or even better, if he's playing with Stone and maybe you know it's not gonna might not be Patch Ready Stone, uh, Eichel. But if it's something like that. Who knows? We could. This guy could go on a whole other level, and we'll be coming back next episode going, can't believe we ever said that. Then again, I've seen my stepdad get the very same uh, operation, and his back's destroyed from it. Obviously, the quality of doctors might be a bit different from what Jack Eichel can get, but playing in the NHL, I don't know how that operation's going to deal with you. That is the big question we're still waiting on to see if he is going to be normal Jack or bad but it's the vegas way to bring in the big contracts you know they like the high rollers they like the big money guys in vegas and it fits their way but you're right they're gonna have to give up a lot to even get jack eichel playing so it all depends on how jack eichel plays and what vegas has to give up just to get him to play and vegas is gonna have to trade a lot of cap before they know if eichel's ready to play or not so this could end up looking disastrous for vegas or this could look like a stroke of genius from them and I just think it's too early to say to even give an opinion. But now let's hear uh, the deep dive. He's sitting up. He's ready to go. He's been holding this in for months. Let's hear it, Austin. Yeah, I uh, I was quite upset about the trade when it happened. And not like necessarily the return right off the bat. 
I was just, you know, it hurts to lose the second overall pick. You know, Suicide Boys got up to my top 10 musicians really quickly after that. But, you know, I, looking at it reasonably, I was pretty happy. Tuck has always been a good player. I was very confused why they gave him up because he's one of those guys who he always put up good points and he's big and he's physical, but he never got the chance to play in the top six. They always had, you know, Stone and Pacioretty and Riley Smith and March or so. So I was like, you have this great guy who has the potential and he's young. So I love that. And he's a Buffalo boy. I didn't know that until we got him. And just, you know, seeing how he talked about the franchise, I was like, oh, like he loves it here. And then we got Payne Krebs, who the year he got drafted, I was huge on him. He fell in the draft because he got an ankle injury his draft year. And it was one he would have bounced right back from. But, you know, he just, he fell in the draft because of it. I thought he was a top 10 pick quality. So I was like, okay, we're getting some good pieces into the draft. But seeing how it's worked out, I'm, I, I love this trade for Buffalo. I think it's great. And I'm going to, you know, you guys talked about the points. Um, you know, Tuck's been amazing for Buffalo. Krebs has been really good. He's been playing with an edge, you know, because apparently he talked to the GM of the Vegas Golden Knights about the rumors. And he said, no, you're not untouchable. If anyone calls about you, we hang up. And then they traded him. So he's he's been playing with like he's got an axe to grind, you know, mm. against the whole management and. He's young still. He needs a bit more development. But, like, that game against Philly recently scored his first two goals, and he looked phenomenal. So he's looking amazing. If he can, you know, pan out the way he's looking, that and him and Tuck, they'll have similar production to Eichel, and they're two players, right? You can spread that out a bit more in your roster. But the one thing, too, is just, like, the culture shift. And I Like, I always hate when hockey people say, oh, culture, culture. But, like, it became very clear in Buffalo you know, there was a culture issue and not just like, oh, we're changing things up, but like so many players this offseason came out and talked about how toxic that dressing room was. And like from high up players like Ristolainen and Allmark to like, you know, lower guys like AHL call-ups who were like, yeah, I came in there for three games and I was like, what is going on in here? And, you know, um, a lot of it apparently was centered around Eichel. You know, I love Eichel as a player and he's a quality guy. He was always good to the city of Buffalo, but you know, when you get handed the king, the keys to the castle when you're 18, it's a bit, you know, I can see how that can be a tough locker room to be in. And so we're going away from that and you just see like the locker room now and like all the players are talking about because most of the Sabres now are all guys who played in the minors, you know, the young guys and they're all living together now. And like you, just watching like Tuck interact with the young guys too, it's like I've never seen this team so happy in the past 10 years. And they're not even good. Like, just, like, every time they do off-ice footage, I'm like, wow, these guys, like, you know, they're playing for each other, and they're playing for the jersey. They may not be winning, they're struggling, you know, they're young and they're learning, but I think it was a huge culture change, and, you know, Tuck's been a huge part of that. You know, I always said Dylan Cousins the next captain, but, like, if they threw the C on Tuck today, I'd be happy. So I think this is what Buffalo needed, both in the dressing room and on the ice. And I don't, like, I know Vegas is going to be good, but... You're gutting your roster for one guy, and you're gutting your prospects. So what are they going to have in five years? Uh, I think for Vegas, which is uh, <clears throat> something we haven't seen yet, is they haven't had that taste of defeat. They have always been a good team, and it's Vegas. They always want to be on top. This They want to be a very competitive team. They haven't dealt with hardship yet. Or when you're trading every prospect you have, you know, every time a guy comes in doesn't do well, Vegas gets rid of him right away. It's going to quickly turn into a place, in my opinion, that a lot of players are going to be scared of going to. They're going to go, I don't want to go to Vegas and get traded out within a year, and other players might be up for the challenge. But I think Vegas might be screwing themselves in the long term, with, especially because they have all these huge contracts now. 
where they're going to be great for a while. But it, when Vegas falls off, I think they're going to fall really hard when they do. Because they just every year seem to trade everything they have. So and and not it, only you know, that. You can't be on top forever, right? Even Rome fell. So. Yeah, and Vegas has built this almost like choker mentality where they get to these rounds and they just can't play anymore. And it's starting to develop in their personality of the players. True. And, you know, that's a really hard thing to shake. And they bring in Eichel, who has, you know, later in his career in Buffalo, like, if Buffalo was down, he would just stop trying. So you're bringing in a guy who's already, you know, a bit of a defeatist as well, and you're adding them to this mindset. Like, it's if they can get through and win the Cup, then, you know, it doesn't matter how good Buffalo does in the trade, it'll be seen as a home run for Vegas. But I can, I can see this going very wrong, you know. Like you are saying about your stepdad, like, the two hardest injuries to return from in sports is knee and neck injuries. And he just had an experimental one that was never done. So, like, it's really hard to say how this is going to go for Vegas. And even, like, uh, just quickly following up on the Vegas thing in the locker room, they traded Flurry. I mean, that wasn't very long ago. And there was a big outcry with that and the way they handled it. And, you know, for a while it was, oh, we're doing it. Oh, we might not be doing it. You know, we are doing it now. And a lot, I bet a lot of players don't like that. And especially, uh, what was the player you just said who was told he was untouchable at Curbs? Yeah, pain curbs. Uh, cur- curbs as well. So if that seem if that is becoming a trend, where and you know this is just two stories, but if this is becoming a trend where players are being told they're not going, or no, you're you know, buy a house, you know, you're you're staying in Vegas, and then every year they're trading people. Players aren't going to like that, and even their locker room's not going to like that. Trading out people who are big in the locker room just to bring in the new star every year, it's going to get old really quick, and they won't be able to do it forever. Yeah, you know, and that's the key thing. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are in Vegas, you know. Shea Theodore is looking great, but what if in two years a different superstar is available? What if Edmonton keeps sucking? They're like, you know what, we're going to trade Dreisaitl. Vegas is going to be in on it. Exactly. And, and, you know, I did say earlier, if they keep doing all this nonsense, maybe players might not want to end up there, but there are going to be those players who fall in love with Sin City and want to party basically every day they're there and i wonder if that brings a problem to their locker rooms where you might have all these people going there to party rather than play hockey and maybe that's what catches up on them by the end of the year if they're partying too hard i know i know it would be hard to uh turn down the temptations of vegas every night especially when you have as much money as they do i i just see a lot of problems happening in vegas (laughs) in the future (laughs) maybe i just want to see their downfall maybe that's why but everyone uh, does and and with Buffalo, I think it's a great it is a great story, and I I think it's great to hear you say that where you're like the boys are enjoying themselves. As a Coyotes fan, I've definitely seen teams give up, and it's hard to watch when teams give up. But good for Buffalo if they've had that flush. Maybe it's bigger for them off the ice, and maybe that's what they needed. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just you know, we we may not win a lot of games this year, but just seeing the guys happy with each other that's that's all I could ask for. It's just it's fun to actually watch them play together instead of just being miserable. Well, I believe we've covered everything on the Eichel trade. Uh, I'll give everyone one last chance to get what they've been holding in out. Doesn't seem like there's anything left. Uh, in that case, thank you very much for uh, watching the Doghouse podcast. Uh, it's great to be back. I'm glad the Coyotes won so I could return to be here with you guys. Uh, we'll have a new video hopefully not too long, and we can't wait to talk about the rest of the NHL season. So thanks for watching. Uh, Give a like and subscribe if you're interested, and uh, see you later.